0: 22nd, 2019, from the Troy Lee Design Saloon right here in Corona, California. It's the Whiskey Throttle Show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We have got motocross legend and former national motocross champion, former supermoto champion, Mickey Diamond here today with us. So really, really excited to get into some of his his career. Uh, He's an interesting cat, and he's been through a lot of stuff. Uh, It's going to be fun to go through that with him. Sitting next to me, as always, my uh, co host
1: Ground Langston, buddy. good to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Excited? Yeah, it's gonna be fun, uh, huh? Looking forward to learning a little bit more about uh, Mickey's early days of uh, racing. I remember watching him on uh, if it was Crusty or there was a few of the videos, and I was like, "Didn't he used to be a motocross guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the baggy pants." Yeah, he on. Went baggy pants. Yeah, yeah he, he really reinvented himself a few times. So it'd be, be cool to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. early days.
0: We got uh, DJ Donnie over here, our uh, producer. That's the voice that you're gonna hear coming from uh, way out of nowhere every once in a while, Donnie. How, I'm, like, I'm coming like
2: from Deep Space Nine.
0: Yeah. I'm good. Okay. Well, good. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, PowerDot. If you uh, have not checked out PowerDot, do it. Uh, this is a tool that really should be in everybody's toolbox if you are from an athlete to someone who's been injured or just somebody who sits at a desk. Um, the massage feature alone for low back, um, even joint circulation, everything else. It's just a no-brainer. 20% off if you type in the code whiskeythrottle at checkout. So go to PowerDot.com and check those out. Uh, Method Race Wheels, another big sponsor of ours. They
1: sponsor the Front End Chatter segment. Um, I'm excited to get some of these on my own truck here. I've got some on order. so Yeah, so do I. Got them for the Sprinter coming. And uh, man, I tell you what, I was just at the dealership earlier. And I kid you not, every UTV uh, Razor that comes through there, it's got Method on... And they're just killing it at the moment.
0: They really are. Uh, King of the Hammers,
1: Mint, uh, Baja, the Mint, the Parker, you name it, they crush it. Baja One Thousand. They've won, I think, every event for quite a while now. Yeah, and so not only is
0: it just a cool looking wheel if you're looking to improve the look of your vehicle, they're they are legit professional grade stuff. So um, stoked to have them on board. Well, their motto De-
1: says it too. <laughs> yeah, stronger, lighter, faster. Stronger,
0: lighter, faster. That's it. Uh, Decal Works another good big sponsor of our show. We really appreciate their help. Uh, you see them on the factory KTM bikes. A lot of the big race teams using these graphics. We use them a lot. Our garage built stuff at Racer X because they're awesome.
1: You I mean, know, these you know guys what else is cool is um, me and my old man were restoring a few old bikes. We are getting uh, KX500 graphics made. And they make yeah. these really cool retro that look kind of like they did originally, but you can get them tweaked a little bit. Really neat. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to the guys there, Sean, and he was saying, uh, he's like, man, this is blowing up the segment of ours. So v- vintage graphics, killing it. Who would have thought? Yeah. I know it's crazy, right? But um, that that whole
0: segment is grown it vintage, is. and I guess what yeah, I well, guess you still call it vintage. Yeah, post from. vintage is <laughs> yeah. is
1: usually what they call it. Vintage, I think, is technically seventy five the year 75 and previous, yeah. everything since then, we just say historic. Evo, Evo yeah, 1, exactly. Revo. You know. I know, the names are too confusing.
0: Anyway, they'll make you, the cool thing is you just say, hey, I want my bike to look like this and show them a picture. And they're like, all right, we got that. And they'll build it for you. Uh, or they have pre-made stuff if you're not sure what you want, so you can scroll and through And the that.
1: semi-custom too, where you can take yeah. some of the basic lines and put your sponsors and names and all that in there.
0: Yeah, and we always talk about how you can buy plastics. They, own a, they have a <coughs> company that owns plastics, so they will actually, you can purchase the plastic, have them mount the graphics to the plastic, ship it to you. You just bolt it on. It's so easy. Uh, four wheel parts, another big partner of ours. And we, we really appreciate their help. Anything you need for an off-road vehicle, they've got it and they have the service as well. So not only do you buy the parts, they'll install them for you. Um, legit. These guys, again, very busy with all this off-road stuff that's been going on. Uh, Troy Lee Designs, obviously a really big partner of ours and, and, um, the space that we're in is there. So we appreciate that. And, and their support of the show, the design, a lot of the things that you see aesthetically are their are their design, and we really appreciate their help. Check out their Premix eighty six gear. It is going to be due, I guess, what will be tomorrow, Saturday the twenty third. Um, actually, that's a lie. It's it's out now, March eighteenth. It was out. So check that stuff out. And if you haven't seen that, it's very cool. I did a little shoot for the Suzuki colored stuff, but they've got stuff to go with Hondas. They've got a black black orange red seg- uh, colorway that's really cool. Check out that Premix 86 stuff at your TLD dealer now. Dunlop, another great sponsor. I mean, it's, it's practically a spec tire. Somebody sent me a, an email the other day for asking my column, "Why don't we do a spec tire in racing?" I'm like, "There basically yeah. is." Yeah. I mean, what would you say? Nineteen out of twenty guys on the gate are running Dunlops. Yeah. At the Supercross, so yeah. Anyway, I thought that was. Kind I just of put a, some freshies some on
1: my uh, dual sport. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, you know, with all the poppies yeah. popping right now, yeah, it's a gotta good time to there. go
0: dual sporting. Shred those poppies. Cut them all down, please, so people stop <laughs> pulling
1: over and looking at them. Freeway's Doesn't been a nuts. nightmare. I'll, I'll
2: join you out there if we can just mow those things down.
1: Uh, Pro, hey, you Pro guys are going to have the environmentalists on our ass here pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Screw those guys.
0: Uh, Pro Circuit, also another great sponsor. And uh, these guys, their motto is, we race. And damn it, they sure do. Um, they've won eight straight now between Adam Cianciarello and, and uh, Austin Forkner, so... They had a couple of years there where um, some of their guys had some bad luck. It's yeah. kind of a, ru- a rough run for Pro Circuit as yeah. historically for them. Uh, they're back in full swing right now, just crushing it. Yeah. Looking very good to wrap up both both coasts this year in Supercross. Um, Adidas, another newer sponsor to us, they've been a part of the Troy Lee Designs crew here. They actually have a partnership working on different projects. They did some of the helmets for Notre Dame's uh, a, a one, one game a year there. Um, they just do some really cool things together. And they've got a new shoe. Actually, you've got one of the colorways and I got one here. So this is the Sealy model. Um, really, really dope. So it's got the Troyly Designs logo here and uh, designed specifically the colors by Troy. So very cool. That is going to be available March 23rd at Select Troyly Designs Dealers. So don't know what that means. If your dealer near you is a Select Troyly Designs dealer, if they're not, go in there and tell them what's up. Say, hey, give me these shoes. So uh, we really appreciate all of our sponsors, and uh, you know something that um, was really important to me when we started this program was I didn't want to just bring people on because they had cash in their wallet. I wanted companies that I really, really believed in because it's kind of our names on this stuff. When I say, sure. "Hey, go to Decal Works," it's good stuff. I mean, I mean it. I, I don't have yeah. any problem sending you there. I don't have any problem telling you to buy a power dot because I know you'll get it, and if you use it, you'll like it. For sure. And it's the same with every single one of these. Um, there isn't one company I wouldn't put my name on saying that their product is the best, period. So the nice
1: thing is when you look at it, they are all proven companies. It,
0: they're, they're PowerDot might
1: be a newer uh, version, but if you actually go look up the science and the information, uh, you'll see why they're growing at a rapid rate. It's proven science. They just made a better mousetrap. That's the bottom line. And it's owned,
0: uh, Lance Armstrong bought a, a, a major stake in that company to give you an idea of... Why? Because um, he believes as he well. He believes yeah. in it. I mean, he's a guy who understands and gets it. So big thank you to all those sponsors. Um, we really appreciate it. And, and, and go to, and support those guys because that's how we're able to continue to bring the, bring you this show and cool guests like Mickey Diamond. Uh, last thing I want to just send you over to RacerX. Go to digital.racerxonline.com and check out their new digital edition. They're giving it away free this month. So um, if you have never read a magazine digitally, go there and try it. You get, you know, get to try this month for free and check it out. So it's a, a scrolling format. So instead of where you had to swipe from page to page, now you just continue to scroll. There's interactive ads and expandable videos. It's it's cutting edge. It's very new uh, for anything we've ever seen in our sport in particular. So um, check it out. It's uh, obviously getting reading magazines digitally is getting more and more popular, and we're just keeping up with those times there. So check those guys out, um, digital.racerxonline.com. So let's jump into our uh, Method Race Wheels front-end chatter. Method Race Wheels, faster, lighter, stronger, as we mentioned. Um, <coughs> so don't, don't, you don't have to be racing Baja to use these things. They look dope. They've got them in all kinds of colors and styles. Check them out. But if you are serious about off-roading, well, you can have both here because um, patented bead grip technology, you're not going to knock these things off the rim, and you can just mob basically over whatever you want. Check out methodracewheels.com. And we're pulling a winner this week. Oh, yeah. For our Dirt Fish Rally Driving School. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you're going to miss out. That's where we're going to pull our winner from. So get over there and follow us at whiskeythrottleshow.com.
1: Now's your last or, chance. at, at
0: whiskeythrottleshow, sorry. Now is your last chance. So a couple things we want to chat about on uh, uh, Method Race Bill's friend and chatter. Cooper Webb's incident here last weekend. Um, he went, got a little squirrely, went off the track, got really lucky. Um, I was laughing just thinking, man, when things are going your way, they really go your way. Yeah. Because he should have hit that camera. Uh, there's a nine different ways Scenarii- he should have beatered yeah. it. And he, he, <laughs> somehow, makes <a> <laughs> he Makes a pass. He makes a pass and comes out of it. So people are, you know, on uh, different threads on wherever. And people sending me emails. He should have been disqualified. If Gallagher's, you know, following the rules, you're just not supposed to gain an unfair advantage. Look, he was still behind Tomac when he gathered it up back into that turn. Yes, he scared the hell out of Eli. And Eli checked way up. But... I mean, how do you, how do you fault a guy for cross-running, going off the track? He didn't even hit Eli. Like yeah. I, that to me was impressive that he was Eli able to he gather was it the, up. He was
1: on the binders hard, hard.
0: <laughs> but you know, I mean, he could yeah. have taken that momentum and bumped Eli, and he didn't. He he checked it up. I don't think he was even hoping to make a pass. He just wanted to not crash. Yeah. And it just worked out for him.
2: Well, it that, looked like Eli had eyes in the back of his head. He had cat-like reflexes when it came to him not getting hit.
1: You saw him go way out of the way. Well, I think what it was is because of what happened with Cooper, kind of you see just does one of those We used to joke, you know, um, and he jumps off the track and he lands on that tough block. But I don't think um, Eli heard that until the very last second. And I think he may have even seen this orange fender out of his peripheral (laughs) thinking, whoa, this dude came out of nowhere. He's going to T-bone me. When he went and watched back, he probably feels a little bit better, like, oh, the guy wasn't coming to kill me. He yeah. was just trying to save himself. I'm sure he was pissed at first. Yeah but, yeah, but I think at the last second, because a lot of times when guys are looking through the corner, you can just see that orange fender coming, and he does. He stands it up. But getting back to, to Webb, um, I watched it, and I still thought, oh, there's going to be some comments about this, because exiting the corner is where he seals the deal and makes the pass. But he didn't gain an advantage, and, and technically, he never left the track. He was never off the track. He landed on the tough block, to me that's the gray area. So I I don't see a problem with that. I don't to me he didn't ever leave the track and gain an advantage.
0: Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before. There's there's gonna be things that are just subjective. And Gallagher and those guys have to make a call. They're not always gonna get it right. And it's we've not been critical be the call you him. like it, Sometimes I think they've made bad calls. Yeah. I think uh, DQing Chad Reed years yeah. ago when he bumped Kennard. Bad call. Don't black don't black flag the guy. You can't come back from that. Let him finish the race. You could sort it out after and fine him. Uh, you know, oh, give man. that money yeah. to the Alpine Stars medic crew. There's, You could do good things with it. That was by no way. You, the, the you black flag him. It's just, he just pulled him out of the race. Again, it's just, I don't think that was a good move. But here, I think they made the right call.
2: That was no way a, a faster way around the corner. He wasn't making a no. faster way. I mean, he was going the slower way around the corner. He, he, he
1: just theoretically came in the corner a little bit tighter than normal. So he was going straight in. Um, but there was no real advantage. I think what it was, was it caught gave Tomac a scare, and he had a disadvantage by standing the bike up and losing all his momentum. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. Again, it's a very gray area, but... Well, how do you make a rule about that? You say, oh, if you leave the track yeah. and gain an advantage, you'll be penalized. Yeah. Go watch that and show me where he's off the track.
0: You, you'd have
1: a rule book as thick as a King James Bible, if, you, if that's what you did. If you, and you unless, played every scenario Unless out. we're doing like a strike zone where there's an imaginary line <laughs> over the hay bale that yeah. goes re- yeah. red or green, but... in in the way we've done it these days, to me, you couldn't really make a call or turn. And it's not like you're on the radio going, hey, give that position back, like NASCAR or something, if you went below the yellow line or something. This is a race. You can't make that, you can't tell someone to give that spot back in the race, nor would if I was where would I have thought that I needed to.
0: No. And again, I I think it is subjective. It has to be our kind of racing, as dynamic it is, there has to be some, there's going to be some subjectivity. And I think what Gallagher looked at was intent. Cooper wasn't going, all right, I'm going to jump across this lane yeah, and set his- him up for a pass. He cross-rutted, and he was just praying to God he didn't hit that camera that was right there. And he barely missed it. I mean, inches. <laughs> that
1: could have been a bit so, of a rough one.
0: Yeah, so I, I think when you look at the whole picture, they made the right call. Uh, another thing I want to talk talk about here, five winners so far this season. Doesn't happen often that we got that. And uh, this past weekend, all winners were in the top five. So even though the points are kind of spreading out a little bit more now and it's looking more like Cooper Webb's going to win his first Supercross title. Um, it's cool to have all, all five guys that are in the hunt up there yeah. in, the, in the thick of it. Well, it kind did. of reminds me of Mickey's era where there was 10 guys and you know yeah. there
1: was weekends where any one of them could have won. Well, I, I was impressed with Barsha. Um, I thought that was a good comeback ride, especially because we keep talking about the depth and the parody in there. Um, Tomac? A little bit surprising, you know, he was there and just almost went backwards a little bit before going forwards, um, but at any given stage, there's several riders that can win, but no matter how you, you slice it up, it's always, this guy can win you know, at lap 15, 18 or 18 minutes into it, it's always this guy and Cooper Webb. It's Tomac and yeah. Cooper Webb. It's Marvin and Cooper Webb. And Cooper puts himself in that position. And even when he's made mistakes, like you said, when it's your year, it's your year, man. It it, it just seems like he can't put a foot wrong. Don't want to jinx him, but it's going his way. And it, it looks like it's going to take a pretty significant uh, issue or derailment from his side because uh, he's just he doesn't have a weakness at the moment. No. He's good on his starts. He's good under pressure. Even when he's not the fastest guy, he'll still get a third-place finish out of it. And It's hard to make points up on guys when their bad day is a podium. Yeah, yeah, amen. Still, well, Marvin, Marvin
2: looked pretty happy with that win. I haven't seen
1: that guy look well, that happy. Well, you know what? I think that was something that he's been expecting for the previous three or four rounds. Like, he's been in position to win and sabotaged himself. And this time it was like, you know, sometimes you can tell it with guys. Like, I got the monkey off the back. Whew, like, you could see the relief, the tension coming out of him. It wouldn't surprise me to see him win a few more, three yeah. or
0: four more now between here and Vegas. Yeah. And once, once you get that momentum, you're like, okay, yeah, I can do it again. Yep. Let's let's keep it going. So,
1: no guarantee, but uh, Cooper Marv's looking Marv's good. A, a momentum guy. If you ever watch Marvin, it's like that diesel engine. And once it gets going then, you, like you said, then he can start rattling yeah. off those those wins.
2: And ask a question, the severity <coughs> of his injury coming into the season. Really, I mean, he's looked faster and faster and faster this middle of the, the season. Yeah. Well, he even not talked sure.
0: about it on the podium this weekend that, that uh, he's been, you know, not wanting to put that knee down and kind of – he hasn't had – he said he didn't run until this past week yeah. because it hurt to run. So, I mean, that right there tells you if it hurts to go run, uh, it's hurting while you're out on the bike. So yeah. he's, And that distracts you and so – I'm glad to hear his knee is feeling better, and um, it'll
1: make a sure. good uh, run for this championship. Having yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. good guys that are healthy, and you might see a lot of tension over there in that KTM pit as that tightens up. Well, <laughs> then you throw Baggett, and he he can do that. Well, I'm yeah. not really anyone's teammate, so how good was he, goes, he, man? Yeah, he was so good last weekend. He's been my um, unexpected standout of the season so far. I would Absolutely. say last he, two years, he's been great last year. Super I saw dress. that, and I was wondering, but then there were also some races last year where you were like. Yeah, That was that was borderline pathetic. He's hot or cold. Yeah. But, he, but this year, he's yeah he's almost hot the whole time. But still,
2: two, three years ago, that guy was an outdoor-only guy almost. And that's how you, you consider him. Now, he won this year, and he was right on Marv for a couple of laps. You right on. He's, he's had a
1: couple rounds yeah. where things go slightly different. He's won a couple yeah. more races. Yeah, you can't, can't call him an outdoor guy only, which is, is
0: awesome for him. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is eight straight wins for Pro Circuit now. Um, these guys have found their found their groove. They, they've always had competitive machinery. It seems like um, Mitch and the guys will work as hard as they need to work to make
1: that happen. Absolutely. Well, y- you remember from when you raced there in, in, the, from in the 90s, they quickly became the team to beat. And then it seemed like even in the early 2000s, they were doing well, and then championships and wins started becoming few and far between. And it was hard, it was interesting to see the team that had so much dominance. And then everyone was talking about Geico Honda, yeah. and Red Bull KTM, and uh, the star Yamaha team. And I remember thinking, I said to Mitch one day, I go, it sucks because there's no rhyme or reason. You've got the best riders and he was hurt, he was hurt, this happened. And he's like, I just believe you keep doing the right thing, it'll all turn around. And and, and after their drought, I've got to imagine it's got to be refreshing yeah. there. You know, for a team, you know that saying, once you get used to winning, it sucks not to win. So for them to get back, um, especially with that East West shooter, I thought that was really cool to see. Everyone loves to, to see which coast is kind of doing the better. And uh, I was surprised, because when you watch Faulkner sometimes, you're like, I don't know if Cincerello can beat him. And then, the, I know it was one race, and there'll be another one, but... It just shows you how strong those guys are at yeah. the moment. Yeah, it is. That w- the West is tight.
0: Uh, there's there's some, several good guys up front there. Um, and I got to wonder if they're losing weight over there at Pro Circuit up to this point. You, you know, the pizza routine, they order as many pizzas as you can handle on Monday morning if the team wins on Saturday night. They've been doing that for years and years. So the last couple of years, they've probably slimmed down a little bit. Low-carb diet over there Pro Circuit. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> the
1: pizza joint's a little disappointed, too. Yeah. They're watching Supercross cheering for any green bike in the yeah.
0: 250 class. Uh, all right. Hey, that was our Method wheels front-end chatter. Um, PowerDot's bringing you our featured guest today. Go to PowerDot.com. 20% off if you type in whiskey throttles, so do it. Check those guys out. I want to bring our guest up today, Mickey Diamond. If you are familiar with this guy, then you know. Uh, if you're not, shame on you for not knowing your history in this sport. <laughs> Uh, Mickey was a legend in the 80s and 90s, and uh, 125 national championship with factory Honda. Come on out, Mick. And um, went on later to ride for factory Yamaha, supermoto championship. We're going to cover all that. This guy's been uh, just one of the most interesting dudes in our sport for a long, long time. So we're stoked to have him here today. He's slowly working his way up and putting his headset on here.
1: It's that age ah. thing, Mickey. Looping it around. Oh. oh boy. Oh boy. How many interviews have you done?
0: <laughs> uh, hey buddy. Hi. Thanks. W- welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so when uh, I- I'd been bugging you for a little bit to come on the show and you told me you were coming down south, I said, done. When-, when can we have you on? Let's do it. So I'm glad you made it in.
3: Made some time for us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How you been? Uh, been good. Um, had a a couple of years that have been kind of exciting doing other things besides motorcycle related things yeah. um, but uh, everything kind of comes around and and my next project is building a motocross track again yeah. um, <laughs> back in moto um, at Sturgis and where motocross is is new yeah. um, but it's uh I think motorcycle public and and motorcycle people are revol- are evolving, and um, so now it's maybe a new welcome addition to the um, the V-Twin crowd, and yeah. that's the idea, and
0: you so and it's I exciting.
3: Were, we were talking about on the phone the other day that all of those, when you
0: think of a Harley guy, right, they're in the leather and the bandanas and they're however they are, <laughs> whatever your opinion of that crowd is. But they're aging, you know, they're kinda like Yeah, they're getting off bikes, getting they're into dying a, off. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I didn't
1: want to say it, but yeah, maybe yeah. too many Marlboroughs and whatever and they're slowly rolling off the back. So Well what, they haven't had the they haven't had the next generation come through there, so hoping. So Well
0: that's that's what he was talking yeah. about. Is now if you there's sort of this this gap or this bridge that's being built between those guys and sort of the new um what do you call them, like hooligan style yeah. like Uh, What do you call them? I don't know.
3: Well, I think the hooligan kind of opened up the door for maybe the freestyler, that mentality, um, and that type of uh, rider or that type of motorcyclist. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of opened up the door. The dirt track has had a revival over the last many years. And um, they have a national race out there. And this year, actually, it's going to be televised live on NBC Sports. So it's... It's getting back to the the way that the Sturgis rally started was about racing and motorcycles. Hmm. Then it became partying and, and, and it became all kinds of different things over those years. But um, And there was that one percenter period where the biker was um, sort of revered as a criminal or, you know, you just... Yeah, you know, I remember when I was when I was racing in the '80s. If I got hurt and had to go to the emergency room, you weren't really welcome. You were like put at the back of the line. Like, oh, there's a motorcycle rider in here. And, <laughs> they're all hell's angels. Yeah, yeah. they're all criminals. So um, I think that's gone away. And um, anyway, some new um, new ideas. Um, the motorcycle public in general is a lot more. I mean, accepted. Uh, Supercross isn't on at two AM on Sunday night. It's on prime time and, and you know it's a big deal now. So yeah. um anyway, uh it's our you know, myself, Jeff Ward, Brian Manley, um, Doug Henry, David Bailey's had a lot of influence as well, but a lot of people that just sort of sort of come together. Um this thing didn't start as like we proposed it. It it is It is not the first time someone's tried to build a motocross track out there. Um, And a lot of people that are really qualified builders have been out there and and proposed. And somehow the universe created this window where we walked through it. Um, Wardy and I kind of talked about it while we were out there doing a super motor race. And um, it kind of took on its own life. And we're just kind of... Along for the ride, but we're, um, we're, we're going to try to do the best we can with it. I think it's got the potential to be a really great thing for that part of the country mm-hmm. as well. And motorcycle racing or motorcycle enthusiasts in general yeah. to be able to experience... The world's biggest motorcycle rally, which we weren't, Huge. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that place is crazy.
1: Well, is, is your is, is the track? I, I saw some pictures and a little video of you guys kind of cutting it out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it where like they had the, the truck track for a while? Yes. Okay, I know exactly. So you got some of those hills in the background, give some elevation.
3: Yeah. From um, an ex motocross racer, it is like a perfect place to make a track. Mm and has just the right amount of elevation, the soil's good, it's grassy, rolling, but there's some steep stuff in it, and um, uh, we spent a, a week out there figuring out what would be the best track to make, and um, there's, some, there's quite a bit of acreage so we can build quite a bit of stuff, but um, starting with the main track, we're gonna be out there at the, um, the end of April, and have an opening the first weekend of May. So, wow! So it's really uh, yeah, it's, it's, happening. Really mo- yeah, it's, it's happening. happening. Yeah, okay, I cool. hope. Who, who's building the track? Um, can you say that yet? Yeah. Um, well, Brian Manley is a longtime friend, um, and we had a company back in the the uh, the '90s and into the 2000s when we built freestyle courses, and um, um, another guy named Matt McCall who who actually pretty much. Runs the Fox Raceway out at Paula okay. at the moment. Oh, okay, um, he's going to be a part of the crew. There's a couple other people too, but um, we're working with guys that just seem to kind of materialize yeah. throughout this process. Um, uh, and I'm sure the 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 build's going to take a lot. So we've got a lot of work to do ahead of us. So. Um, This is just a starting point and um, um, we're going to try to keep it as, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, as core as possible. Um, And everybody that comes in now is probably going to be a a lifetimer unless they've got a, you know, something else that takes them away from us. But uh, yeah, we have a five-year deal and um, everybody we're working with out there has been great so far and... um, yeah, we just can't wait to uh, go out and break some ground and, and, yeah. and build it. I'm hopeful. Uh,
0: I, I'm obviously really excited. I think having you guys involved is so cool. I mean, Wardy, Henry, yourself, like Manly, that's such a cool cast of characters, right? I hope that there's some old-school uh, input and influence when it comes to track design. I just, I'm, I don't really believe in the way motocross tracks have gone Basically like supercross tracks I think it's bad for the sport in general um, there are, yes bikes are able to jump that far now and that's great but bodies still break at the same speed and
1: <laughs> same impact right the, so the higher you fly the further you fall
0: I just I mean yeah. if you've got elevation and you can make an old-school traditional motocross track whew, that's rad and I hope that we see some of that that doesn't mean we can't have some cool jumps and stuff down the bottom or whatever to <coughs> make the fans happy but anyway I'm just going to put that into your ear and let that go where it goes. We'll
3: we'll take that into consideration. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a Thank department you. where we can uh, email <laughs> yeah. them? That yeah. uh, it's called that takes our request yeah. suggestion box. Yeah,
0: it's called. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get, it's called get lost. <laughs> yeah. Piss off. Dot com. Um, I want let's go back, man. Let's let's start with Mickey Diamond. Where you grew up at? Are you a you're a SoCal kid, right?
3: Yeah, um, I grew up in Yorba Linda. Um, we as a family my um, my family was sort of like my grandfather drove sprint cars, so we were kind of racer family my My dad got me into racing um, at times I would prefer not to have gone to the racetrack but had to be woken up out of bed in the morning and driven out to uh, yeah to ride yeah you didn't uh, always love it huh uh no, no, I, did. <laughs> I don't think anybody always like loved every minute of it, but um, by the time you're out, I mean, a lot of things, I'm a procrastinator by heart. I mean, I I ride bicycles a lot, so I, and I see it, I see my shoes, see my bike, and <laughs> I know I'm going to get on it sometime during the day, but it, it ends up to be later in the day than yeah. than normal. But same with uh, motorcycles was like that, Um but uh once once I got a, a taste for it it was like uh maybe the the mid to late 70s that I started getting stuff for Christmas or um motorcycles were uh, from that point on they were a part of my life yeah you know. so there be, there
0: there became a point where it was you did love every second of it right couldn't get enough yeah um or were you always a little bit like eh,
3: uh, when take I was it or younger um I liked it I I loved doing it um but I wasn't like head over heels with it. And then uh when I first started to feel that way about it and I liked to go race. I wanted you know, I thought about it all week at school. Um we had a barbecue after I did a race out in uh escape country, okay. which was a, this was like maybe the late seventies. And after the race we went back to the house and my uncles and family were having a barbecue and um my Uncle Dan got on my RM80 and rode down the street and got hit by a car. So Mm. then I didn't want nothing to do with it for a while. Um, I was probably 13 at that time, 12 or 13, and um, maybe a year, a little more than a year went by, and then um, I started to do it again, sort of on my own, not like to go race, but just wanted to ride and um once i got back on it, then i was truly hooked okay what so age I, what age was this when you were truly uh, hooked? Like uh, 14 14 15 okay. so when i was 15 i started riding again and huh. we got off the 80s and it was on bigger bikes and um and then that was my uh that was my real i i'm hooked and you know I'm,
0: was your uncle hurt was he was it killed or hurt badly? Uh, or no, no, he
3: he wasn't killed, but he okay. close to it. it Got was him pretty good. bad. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of scared you, or just soured you on it, or? What? Uh, I was terrified of it for a little while, you know, but not like the motorcycle, but just the just the exercise of being on a motorcycle, and um, it just put the brakes on for a little bit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's
0: crazy. At that age, yeah, too. Some, that's see, that's
1: when most guys. Are really hitting it hard, you know. Twelve, but you're, but you're also at that age. If you see someone close to you, if he's in a let's say not too
3: far oh, yeah. away from death situation,
1: that'll that'll Did change you see your mindset.
3: Um, I was out of it was out of my sight. It was around a corner, but I could hear it. Heard it all happen. Did he have? And a, that, a, like, I heard things, and then a lot of it was like, man, when I was younger, I'd, I'd hear a car crash and I'd think it was somebody uh, that I knew. Hmm. So, um, uh, like, it had like a. It An impacted, impact, yeah. yeah. So, um, a lot of stuff that I did when I was younger was 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 in these um, types of moments that seem like they they affected you more than you know. At the time, you're just like you're just cruising through life, and yeah. um, anyway, that had a big impact, but it it didn't kill it. It just actually confirmed that that's really what I should be doing mm-hmm. but I shouldn't be doing it like while I was drinking or like that yeah. you know? and oh, had your uncle had a little liquid courage of course yeah, yeah. so don't uh, let people on motorcycles
1: yeah. at family gatherings mm-hmm. yeah Lens
3: and tears yeah um, I've seen some really crazy stuff in my lifetime from being at a at the desert or at a motorcy- motocross track um, and plenty can happen you know, uh, in a perfect situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, some crazy <laughs> stuff. A lot of it's funny. You know, we, the, just the name of your show is... Yeah. <laughs> that term has been uh, a comic yeah. relief for my life, yeah. you know, many times. Oh, yeah. Because of this motorcycle. It's cool. Yeah. We'll get you some stickers. <laughs> yeah. That way you can have a laugh on your way home.
0: <laughs> so how, how good were you... Uh, um, like when you, when you stopped riding on that 80 and then when you came back, were, like what class would you have been like B-level? I was, I was
3: still like a novice. Okay. Um, but when I came back, we rode more. I liked, I liked it and I focused more on it. I rode in my backyard. I had a couple turns and, and a couple jumps and I had a shovel so I'd change stuff. Yeah. But uh, after school, before the police came, I got to practice and yeah. um, I... I learned a lot that way, and I mm-hmm. don't, you know, that translates. And um, you don't need like the world's biggest, coolest track and all the best equipment to become a good rider. Yeah. And um, and uh, it happened quick. So when I started racing again, when I was fifteen, by the time by eight months, I was already expert. So oh, wow. yeah, we it went fast. Once nice. once that point started it went fast and then you could you could race uh Wednesday night Thursday night yeah, Friday night that. Saturday and Sunday every week yeah were so you doing that then once I got to be like 16 years old and I could drive yeah yeah um it's still crazy to me yeah, yeah. I hear these stories they're like wait you guys used to race during the week oh yeah
1: yeah but we there wasn't. It, there f- wasn't tracks open to just go practice, right? So no. you could either go out in
0: the hills where it's dusty and or ride the backyard junk, right. or find somewhere to ride. <laughs> you could shovel
3: a set of whoops,
0: yeah. or you go race. You know, yeah. the tracks where tracks were prepped and there's competition, and
3: yeah, that was the better way to go. Um, there was there was a lot of people doing it too. Yeah. yeah. On the weekends, there would be a uh, forty riders on the yeah. gate. Crazy. And you know, for the Golden State Series and those races that. Took place, you know, preseason. They were you had to qualify just yeah. to make the mains, and there were forty rider mains, and there were there were factory guys in the Everybody, class. Everybody, yeah, everyone yeah. did them. 40, I
0: know. R.J., yeah, Dogger, so you. I mean, like it was a national, basically.
3: Like it half were good ha- times, you know. Yeah. There was uh, when I was younger. You know, summer lasted forever. You 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 just had more time. Um, you didn't have responsibilities yeah, and yeah. jobs and things, but. Um, man, you could just, I could go to school. I could show up to classes late to school. I mean, it's, it affected my, I wish I had put more effort into the schooling part. You weren't
0: getting straight A's yeah. what you're
3: telling me? Because once you're done racing, <laughs> the, once you're done racing, you, you can't go and just fill out an app and get a job.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. you could pay someone <laughs> to get you some A grades. Apparently, you can pay get. to get yourself into yeah. USC
0: yeah. if you want, so... Yeah. Need about a half a mil.
1: Come on, and, mom uh, and dad, where were yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um, who were some of the guys you were racing with around then,
1: around that time?
3: Um, we just ran into one, Billy Keefe. Oh, was yeah. he, he was an open class racer okay. and rode pro circuit. Um, husky. He was a husky. Husky man. guy. I was a Mako guy in the early '80s, and then I went to Husky um, '83, '84. And then 84 and 85 was Husky. Um, But 83 into 84, I was like the last factory Mako rider, or one of them. So you had factory support and everything, huh? Uh, Considering that was the the factory wasn't very big, and it was in Virginia, and it was like three people, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because they just send you some bikes and parts and go, here you go. Yeah. Uh, Kick-ass, bud. And it was good outdoors. I mean, I, I... I didn't know any better. Um, as I was young. I uh, The bikes I rode were, at the time, the Husky was like a, a real motocross bike when you bought it. Um, and the late 70s or middle 70s, they actually started making the motocross bikes that you bought. The other ones were like conversions from street bikes to whatever. And so Husky wasn't bad um, in into the 80s and then Probably around 1980, the Japanese started to really Wrap it up. Imp- yeah, and they they raised the level of the equipment quite a bit. So um, then Husky was like, you know, we were second class citizen on a bike, you know. <laughs> but it was it was still good, and you know, we 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 did a lot with what we had. Um, they didn't have the money the Japanese had, but um, it was still enough to help me to, to like, boost me into a factory ride with Yeah, Honda.
0: yeah. yeah. You, you and you, I heard you and Bill Keefe before the show chatting that um, he was always a pro circuit guy. He and Andy Jefferson were kind of the husky pro circuit guys. And you were, you rode for a different, um, different person that helped you with, with bike setup and
3: stuff. Yeah. Cycle, what was it called? Wheel? Wheelsmith. Wheelsmith. Yeah, Wheel Smith, and it was... Were Greg, they a Mako dealer? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Smith, um, when we started, that's who my dad... I just kind of lucked into it. He liked Makos. I was... Your dad did? 130 pounds and, and 15 years old, and, and I had a... You know, he brought home a bike. Hey, look at our new bike. You know, it's like, what is it? It's a 450. <laughs> 450. And I like the first time I rode it, I like stood it up. They're and tall too, right? Weren't they really tall? We had to lower it yeah, so okay. I could sit on okay. it. And um, was
1: it a 450? It,
3: it was a four, 440, there was a, wasn't it? It was, yeah. was a
1: 440. It wasn't, Maiko made that 490. They had a 400, a
3: 450, in 80, 80 and 81. 82, they, they did a 440. And then there was a, a, there was one that was like a sway back. And that was like, that was, Maybe 83. Okay, yeah. And then that was the day. last one. It looked really cool. It was the one that Magoo did the layover jump without yes. the tank and seat on, you know, with a baby bottle of fuel. And he took a picture. And Which, by the way, I got to ride with Danny a few times out at Saddleback. And um, he was something. Yeah. And um, creative, but fearless like fearless to a to a fault you know and um but always like just a a crazy super warm and 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 exciting guy to be around yeah um and he was like the mako legend you know because he he raced and straight up put it to hannah one day at saddleback and even though I don't think he finished either race, he was putting it to him before <laughs> yeah. the bike failed. Uh, yeah. yeah, He was, um, he,
0: I, I kind of missed his era, just, he, you know, I just was a little too young for that, but mm. the stories that I hear, like, what a cool experience to be able to have watched him and known him, right? I mean, it just seems like it. Yeah. The pictures I see where he, he's just,
3: Well, there was, he was one of those guys that would just blow you away with what he'd do, huh? And There and, wasn't yeah. a lot, I mean, there wasn't internet, there wasn't video, yeah. you couldn't Take a snap with your cell phone and cover the guy. and But I went out and spent time with him out in the back of Saddleback and, and watched him do things and not do it just once and like, you know, like brush himself off. That. And like, yeah. yeah, he would do it multiple times. Is this what you wrote it would, up here? would scare people. Um, yeah, that's like 82, 81. Yeah, that's an 82 Alpha.
1: That was the, uh, I think that was. That might have been the four hundred and forty. Oh, those is. things had so much travel. Or was that a four hundred and ninety by then? I'm I losing track.
3: There were 490s too. I have I have a couple different. I rode. I've ridden a eighty one four hundred and ninety. Uh, vintage event. Yeah, but it. I mean, the suspension's <laughs> been
1: done. Yeah. The motors had a little bit of work. They don't uh, like to stop with no. those brakes. No. <laughs> no. You know what's funny? No. Is it seemed like whether it was cars or bikes. You know, cars were in the '60s, bikes maybe in the '70s, but. They all, ca- they all started figuring in the horsepower first. So, like the muscle cars, yeah. they could haul house <laughs> in a straight line, but they didn't handle and they didn't stop. Yeah. The same thing happened to motocross. And then they started breaking down, kind of like Formula One. And, like you were saying, it, when you were racing, there were so many different brands and everyone was trying different things. And you just saw the attrition rate, like so many mechanicals. It's funny, you don't ever see that these days. Yeah. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, if a bike breaks, everyone's like, what the hell happened? Yeah, You're like, it is a machine. Uh,
3: you know, it does happen. It was common. Like, people broke chains. People had DNFs because the bike seized. Um, there's not a, uh, you know. T- Throttle, cables, breaking. Like, my, I've heard of all kinds of. My dad used to take care of the bike. So, it would be like he'd scrub the chain, chain lube. Wire brush. Put, put fuel in it, and I would race it. Occasionally, he wouldn't you know forget to put fuel in it, and it would, <laughs> when it ran out of fuel, it also locked up. So the motor would lock up, bog, and I would usually have a wreck, and and he would be like, "Oh damn, I forgot to put fuel in it." <laughs> uh, but <laughs> thanks, but Dad. They they were they were up to the rider, who was me. I couldn't tell you what what the proper you know. Uh, Carburation was with it. I would just say, "Yeah, it runs. You know, it runs, it runs okay. It's it's pinging a lot. You know, like." But it's about a grenade, but it yeah. sounds pretty good. It's on the verge of, and then they would check the plug and be like, "Look at it. Like, well, it's oh white. yeah, that it's was that thing. white. Yeah, that's probably lean." Yeah. Um, oh. So it wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of DNFs. Yeah. Um, even in the nationals, there was like. Usually during the season, everybody expected to get at least one DNF for one reason or another. Even the Japanese guys were, it was about that time that it was breaking that mold where everybody had to finish. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to finish every race, get points every race. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Going back, I want to go back real quick to Magoo, um, because it's it's not everybody that really got to be around him. What what else would you say about him? His riding, his personality? What uh, What
3: impression did he leave on you? Well, there was times he could, I mean, I saw him, and he was the fastest guy on the track, but he was also the slowest guy on the track at the same time. You know, like, capable of unbelievable speed, but he, his will and his bravery made that speed sometimes. Exceeded his talent, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of guys that you just saw, even like, you know, like today, like the Supercross, everybody's... Capable of having great speed and great night, you know. Like, and it is great, you know. Besides Roxon not winning, I mean, he's next, and I, 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 I've been hoping for him and Marvin, and now Marvin's got one, so maybe him next. But everybody's got this ability to to do it, right? You know, and it doesn't doesn't mean that it's always there, but you know, like Baggett's Baggett's learning that he can do it all the time. Which he's always had that ability, but psychologically, it's that's in between your ears. That's everything up there is everything. Yeah. they all got the speed. They all they all have good trainers. They got good people, good bikes. All bikes are good. Um, and that's there was a lot of guys like that, and I saw them come and go. Some guys' life creates different passages for everybody. Yeah. Um, people that stayed in racing, some of them settled into their sort of their. Their wheelhouse, I guess, comfort zone. And then some guys, some guys rocketed up. Some guys just said, I've, "You know, it's my time. I'm gonna take it." And yeah. they did. Um, so did Magoo have,
0: uh, I guess, just more will to win and bravery than he did talent? And he he would be a hundred percent on those two, even on days he didn't.
3: I'd say have that's it, or... yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good assumption of what he. There were times when it was all it was all good, and he had great yeah. skill, and, and and he put it just where he wanted it, and it all worked out. But if you can just go back and imagine, like the trophy donations when they had the, the two weekends, they rode 500s one weekend, 250s, him dominating every race, yeah, against everybody, everybody, nobody else could beat him those those two weeks. Yeah. So he's capable of putting things together that, that nobody is going to repeat. Yeah. You know, like, okay, a couple times, uh, you know, on the same day, maybe hurlings and, you know, guys that are at their very peak yeah. and they duplicate it, but give them four motos in two weekends and see what happens. Right. Um, you know, it's it's almost impossible to get your head around – the way some people have risen to those moments. Yeah. And that's a guy that did. Um, some of the things he did were, were scary, you know. Um, Would he I, jump stuff? Oh, before my God. You know? yeah. I was going to say, yeah.
0: he
1: just strikes me as the guy you watch going, oh, boy.
0: Like, what was the jump at uh, uh, Saddleback? Bonsai? Or what, what was the? Well,
3: there was a couple. The step-up was... going up. The one that was called the Magoo Double Jump. The Magoo Double, the Magoo double. okay. Because he yeah. was jumping, and I think he was jumping at past hand every lap or something. Yeah. It wasn't, in hindsight, it wasn't really that gnarly, but put an old bike. Put it in context, yeah. yeah. Put something that's like really gnarly today, like some quad James is doing at a Supercross, and throw him on a 20-year-old bike yeah. and say, hit that line, show me. Yeah. So, and th- there were some things that were really um just in my opinion they were like you knew you were going to get hurt but we always and as a racer you didn't think I'm going to die if I do that you're like oh, going to get messed up yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> um but he didn't
0: have that voice in his head
3: no he <laughs> didn't have it he but didn't have that moderation there's a there's yeah. a thing in your brain that does that and his that sense danger or fear it wasn't as you know it wasn't as it was way tied, tuned down,
0: <laughs> throttled way so down. Dialed down. Yeah, he choked
3: yeah. that thing right in.
0: <laughs> I, I wrote something in X recently about um, this show and the guests that we've had on, and I, I made a list of the people who I, I I wish I could bring them back and have them on here. Nikki Hayden,
4: yeah,
0: um, Magoo was one of the guys. Um, anyway, uh, that's why I picked your brain about him a little bit. We obviously can't get him back now and have him on, but he would have been a yeah, what a cool guest that you know, just what a cool story he had. Um, okay, so so tell me about your first amateur when you started really going out and and like doing well. What, what was sort of a turning point for you?
3: Um, well, the intermediate class at Saddleback. Okay, yeah. then, on the Mako, then before you went to high school, uh, we we ended up getting a Honda 125. So I had a 125 and then an open bike. Okay, so I rode two classes. Um, then eventually two fifties. We rode pretty much. We rode. Pretty much anything we could, we could yeah. get, you know, for a little while. Um, <laughs> when it was my dad and I, um, which was, which was great because we ended up developing like a community of people. So you parked in the same areas and, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pro Circuit was great because they, they had, they'd always have riders that, that were like Jeff Jennings or even uh, like Marty Tripes would, yeah. would show up and ride bikes for Mitch and. Um, and then their guys. The, there was, there was quite a few of them. Bill Keefe, um, uh, Troy was always a part of that group too. And um, uh, there was just some really cool people that always were parked over there. We parked here, and um, Bruce McDougal is a, is a guy that's like was a factory guy, rode Yamaha, I always Honda. remember that name. I've heard the yeah. name and it always sticks in my head. And he had some family and he was still racing and so laid back and, but helpful. Kind of showed me the ropes. You know, I, I watched him, I studied him. He didn't talk a lot, but um, there was a lot of growing up through these periods of time where like like I said, summer seemed to last forever and, mm. and I rode there during the week when it was open I rode you know we raced but we it was a you're there at seven you're there till dark and we rode I rode two classes so I got to ride more I raced against guys that I knew as like my age but a lot of them were older yeah and um um learned a lot from a lot of different people when the pros came I, I raced against uh then, um, I, I, once I got to be pretty fast and I could stay with people, then it was like, I think Bruce at one point told me, he goes, just <laughs> get behind him and do everything he does. Yeah. yeah. That's a great and, way to learn. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, and really I did that quite a few times. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah.
5: Well,
0: it yeah.
1: makes sense. I
0: grew up kind of uh, in Arizona when I was in that age, right? And I would just jump in behind Button or Sean Kalos or Jimmy mm. Gaddis. Mm-hmm. And I was, how, how long can I stay with him? You know, where are they breaking? Where is it, what lines is he taking? You know, and I would just follow him as long as I could until they pull away from me, yeah. and then i cut the track. Well, that's uh, <laughs> right back <in. laughs> but in that's literally like you
1: know. monkey see, monkey do. I mean, it's if it's you have some basic skill and understanding. That is a good way to learn, too, because if a guy gaps you in that corner, what, what do you do? You go, what am I doing wrong? And yeah. then you go, awesome. What am I doing wrong? They're like, you're extremely slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't That's know simple. what's po- what's possible exactly. until you see somebody do it. And you're like, holy shit. Well, I, can- I think we can all relate. Supermoto. Yeah. Like, when we went Supermoto, yeah. like, how many times are you like, oh, I don't know if it's going to stick, you know, when you laid it in on yeah. the rubber. And you're like, oh, you know what? These well, things are better yeah. than my
3: dirt bike tires. What, what was that dirt
1: track guy that would come in? And he would
0: be just <laughs> leaning down, scraping his whole frame on the ground. <laughs> you remember? He came out and did uh-huh. some races.
3: Um, well, there was a couple guys. I was going to say, which guy? I uh, saw yeah. several. There was a guy named Matt. Um, uh, <sighs> I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. uh Cash. Persley? Yeah. Matt Persley. Persley. Whoa. Matt Persley. Matt Persley. Where'd that come from? Today, <laughs> that was an, there was, was another guy that I'm thinking There was of smoke of. coming off the yeah. tire. And, and you're like, you stood up. You're like, what's going on? You know, because you haven't seen that before.
2: Was it yeah. not? Uh,
3: made me intimidated. The guy from Australia. This was a famous Mark Doug Chandler. Tracker. No, Doug Chandler was another Channel, one, but yeah. there was a there was a guy that wrote a Husaberg, um, from Australia, and um, and he her boss?
4: No, oh. well, he
3: was another one, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was Mark Evard, and he oh, rode, I remember that. and then he yeah. rode the Suzuki. Um, but he was a guy that would just hack it in, and it would like startle you Blow sometimes. Yeah. Um, um, well, <laughs> so would
2: you do SMX on Saturday? All Saturdays, SMX at Saddleback remember that it was a Saddleback Motocross?
3: Um, I did a lot of Saturdays and they ran 40-minute motos. Yeah. I mean, they, they did. When I first started, even the Nationals, I think, were 40 minutes. And there was, you did, there was 125, 250, and 500s, and they ran it all in one day. If you had to qualify, it was Saturday. But there was four, there were six motos during Jeez. the day. Each of them had long motos. And... Shoot, when I first started, I think they had three. There was like, you go to race locally, there was three motos during the day. I don't
1: suppose they had fans at these events. I mean, no (laughs) offense, but I couldn't imagine. I mean, I remember the GPs when I went there the first few years. I didn't qualify for one or two in my first year, and and then I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, I need to watch and learn. I'm all disappointed. And I remember halfway through, I was like, well, ADHD is kicking (laughs) in. Like, this is boring. (laughs)
0: Hey, you, oh, you, you talked right. about um, at the local races here where you guys would have groups kind of camping together and parking together, which was such a cool phenomenon back in the 80s um, and early 90s, I guess, a little bit. But it's, it's changed now, I think, a little.
1: <laughs> just a little. A little more. It's just not yeah. the,
0: the, the camaraderie or it's that it simple. used to be.
1: If you ride yeah. that color, you're yeah. there. If you ride that color, you're there.
0: Well, I had Bones. When, he, when Bones found, your, found out you were coming on, he calls me and he says, hey. You gotta ask Mickey about Uncle Rick and the stories oh. he used to tell. He said they would come over to your pit after the end of the day or whatever. And your uncle is it Uncle Rick? It was Uncle Dan. He was oh, okay. the one that got hit. He was the one. Oh, that's that, was that, hit. that guy. He said he would tell stories. It was like so fun and entertaining. They just hang out of your pit. Oh uh, the
3: yeah, there was. Well, there was. There were like real things, you know. It was just telling the story of like what happened. Yeah, you know, we went to the <laughs> desert and everybody unloads and you know you ever. You go out and everybody unloads, and there's always somebody that throws their gear on and hauls butt. He's the first guy that wads it up somewhere, and then you got to go get him and <laughs> and run him to the I got to ER. meet Uncle Dan. He sounds like a character. Um, yeah, I, I've taken some liberties telling some stories and I, I about Uncle Dan. Um, <laughs> my uncles sounds were like great. a T-shirt. Hey, when when I was like when I was younger. We would go to barbecues at my grandpa's house, and he had a f- had a farm. It was like down in Cyprus, like okay. down by where Yama is. He had a farm. It was, huh? a f- <laughs> it was like it was like maybe thirty acres. It was oh big. My gosh, and they that'd grew be worth up, a lot of money right now. Yeah, thirty acres yeah. in Cyprus. Um, but we would go there, and there would be corn. And my uncles, my uncle, I had an uncle named Jack, Uncle Mike, Uncle Dan, and they would. Entertain us as well. So um, <laughs> there <they> <laughs> would they would play this all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jack. He's got his Uncle uh, Jack. <laughs> Uncle Jack had a dog, and the dog would ride on the bi- on his motorcycle. He'd build a evil Knievel style jump, and as the entertainment of the barbecue, he might do a jump with the dog oh, <laughs> in the field. Okay. Um, and all the kids, you know, would be taken doing fun things playing and the uncles would make ice like homemade ice cream and the and yeah. the thing and you know you'd have to put ice and salt, salt uh, yeah. and spin it and everybody was you know you know it had something to do involved yeah, yeah yeah and um and then they played skits and scared the kids they had this this legend of the corn bear, because there was corn right there at the, <laughs> the edge of the barbecue. So they would get in there and, and the corn roar oh, and just start knocking bad. corn down, and um, <laughs> we would all run, you know, climb under a bed or something. Um, it was always super fun. Um, that tradition, you know, is, is still survives a little bit. My my, my younger brother Rick has, um, you know, the, the holidays where they do... Um, you know, Christmas Eve at his place and, you know, they're still that. Yeah. So, it's, it has survived. It's not the same action. Well, you don't have a
0: 30 acre ranch down no, in Cyprus no. anymore.
3: Plus, no. uncles are becoming
1: a little bit older so jumps <laughs> yeah. are getting smaller, the tricks are getting weaker. Yeah. Yeah. They forgot their hopped tricks. <laughs>
0: That's so great though, those family traditions. Uh, it actually brings bear. back some yeah. memories
1: a little bit because I felt like we had this lovely dysfunctional family growing up as well and we had these events and, there was, a, there was about a 50-50 chance someone's going to be in the emergency room by the end of a family get-together weekend, so... Yeah, I was going to say. I may have been
3: one of them once or twice, but... Yeah. I think, you know, when, when Dan was hit by the car, he and his girlfriend, or his wife at the time, um, <laughs> she he had a few yeah. uh, wives. Um, <laughs> there's some stories by themselves, <laughs> but... Um, I think he rode over on a like a stretched out Harley with a like with a big a big chopper. Yeah. And somehow made it to the party and then got hit, you know, as the entertainment. Of that <laughs> particular barbecue turned into that. Um this there was other things that happened. Like we lived on a big hill and after the the accident happened, we heard it. So we all started running and my uncle Mike passed me <laughs> down the hill. Oh no, I can and he see was where going. <laughs> And it was really bad asphalt, really nasty, oh big, rocky stuff. And he got going too fast and, and went down, and he was he was tore up in a sense. Maybe even <laughs> worse look, Dan. looked worse than Dan, <laughs> even though he was just, there were skin wounds. But
1: uh, Can we get a times two, please? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, AMR, start a second. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, double uh, up. Is there a BOGO
1: special? It's,
3: funny. it's fun now, but I mean... Uh, it, yeah, at the time, not really. <laughs> but it all becomes fun. In the end, I think... You know, you had, you had, um, Ryan on the show and I, and I did try to watch some of it and I, I really, I've been keeping an eye. i watch everybody through the internet and maybe that's, you know, that's kind of a, we all kind of do that. Um, it's good. Um, it wastes a lot of time in my day, but <laughs> at least I know what's kind of going on. Yeah. It um, helps
0: you procrastinate though. Uh, like, you know, I, you that's the yeah, other
3: reason. Yeah, right. Um, but it's, uh, it's. I love the fact that he lives his life and he's, you know, he's not, he's not just blending in and, you know, getting by. I mean, he, he lives and does what he does and I, I think in our time and age, it's, it's hard for people to do that anymore, you know? I oh, agree. He beats yeah. to the,
1: he marches the beat of his own drum, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Talk, talking about Ryan Hughes, who was in, and uh, I've told you when we were chatting earlier, he... I think, looking back, he's maybe been my favorite show that we've done, just because he was—he is so open and so raw, and he's at a, such such a crossroad in life. Sen- yeah, just yeah. a sensitive time in his life, and he's not afraid to just tell you exactly what's going on. And um, having known him back in the early '90s, when you did, he was very brash and arrogant and. Um, you know, it was his way or the highway. That was it. Yeah. And I was afraid when he came on that he was going to get crazy. And, and honestly, it he I've listened to that show a
3: couple times, and it's I told my wife to listen to it. I mean, it's yeah. great. I'm going to go job. back and look yeah. at it. So I had him out at my house. I lived out in Palm Desert for a while, and I had him out there, and I want to say it was like maybe 88 or 89. And um, he and a couple other, I don't know if it was Phil Lawrence or, you know, his... Crew, yeah, they came out and we went and rode in the hills and we, we jumped a bunch of stuff and we did laps on the tracks that we had out there for training. Um, and I, I mean, I I remember him. He was quiet. He was quiet. Yeah, really. He, was. He was riding a cow. He maybe he's just Team Green, uh-huh. just at the beginning. Um, but he was quiet. He was tough. I think he had a was coming back from an injury, so
1: he was probably uh, intimidated. You know, if he was the younger kid, I remember going to ride with guys where you're like. Yeah, yeah. You're going with the boys, and you get there, and it's just all—you yeah. just watch and listen, you just
3: take it all in. That's funny. Been part of it. I mean, I, I, and the fact that that I may have had that effect on him is like crazy to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because oh, dear. like yeah, you silenced Ryan Hughes now. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you told me to bring in some photos. Yeah. I, I found that one from. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's Mate. <laughs> yeah,
0: from Belgium. I'll have to put that up. I'm looking great. I look like I just had a stroke. What's wrong with this picture?
1: <laughs> hey, this race. You've also lost you, a little weight since you, then, you, you can guys, tell.
3: You guys, were, you guys were all those young guys to me.
1: Yeah. I was yeah. almost going to go the uh, the one year. I remember Daryl Atkins had said, hey, they have an opening. I, I yeah. forget
3: who didn't make it.
1: Yeah. And it was decent money, and I was like, hmm.
0: Yeah, this is uh, Matei Belgium. They do a um, an event called Super Bikers every year, and they bring racers, of uh, uh, motocross, mm. road rac- I mean, GP, they kind of bring anybody in, Super anyone that will come. Yeah. And it, they get a really good draw
1: of racers here. Um, Well, that was what was cool, and we'll get into that obviously. But
3: but that event is it it brought
1: a lot of a lot of athletes with similar passions
3: into a chance to be on the gate together. Yeah, Uh, there's a there's a group photo in there, and there's maybe forty people in it, and they're all somebody that had like had won something, yeah, a career of careers, you
1: know. Yeah, when you look at it, and you're like. He yeah. was a multi-time yeah. champion there.
0: Yeah, these are some incredible photos. We'll, we'll put these up uh, for the, for the uh, YouTube
1: show if you're watching. But So you were talking stuff. a little bit about you took the time off as an amateur. So you, I mean, I feel like when we talk to most people these days, it's I did Loretta's, I went this way, I went that. So when you were younger, you didn't really,
3: tra- did you travel much out of SoCal or? I went to Loretta's once to like sign autographs and hang out and um, do something with the Fox guys. Oh, uh, so it's way got, Yeah, it, it was me and Imig, and Imig got maybe his start there doing some announcing, um, and he did, he did the weather report. I can't remember what, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm only laughing, I was trying to think. It was, hey, bro,
1: do you mind doing the weather report? Yeah.
3: <laughs> sure it was it was super fun um davy coombs and then the fox guys uh pete and and greg and um there was a john um they all were part of it and sort of like maybe in hindsight they'd be like man we should never do that again but (laughs) um it was fun that was the only time i went to those but uh I went to Ponca City, maybe around the same time for Yamaha to just mingle, um, same yeah. sort of thing. And um, uh, same, um, did a a bunch of those events after, yeah. you know, after the fact. But I didn't ever race one. I didn't ride minis that many years. Yeah, well, you were saying, you had that break. That's why I was, I was trying to yeah. figure out. So
1: you theoretically just went through almost the local pro ranks then, from novice to intermediate to, to... Yeah, you
3: know, intermediate was like in... A blip. It was different no, times it wasn't. back then, it was, wasn't I it mean, it was like, that might have been the best time of my racing career, intermediates. Really? Yeah. There was a couple kids that I raced against, and we had just knocked down, drag out battles. Who was it? Richard Sands was one of them in 125s. Okay. And then um, in some of the other classes, there was, there was guys that were like hot and cold. Because they had other things going on in their life, you yeah. know, they might be crap one weekend and they were just lightning fast the other. Yeah. Um, But I, I remember those were tough times because you're racing guys that are like, you know, that came off the minis, like Lachine. He rode intermediate for maybe a month or two months and then moved up straight up. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't. They didn't go from 80s to to pros in the 125s. They went into. They rode through. Mm until they got their, their speed or whatever. Yeah. and um, There wasn't that many, like, Brian Myerscoffs and, like, Ward. Like, I saw those guys in their primes when they were kids. I remember, like, Myerscoff, like, could smoke the 125 class on an 80. Yeah.
0: I, and, and, and there I, was good guys. I kind of missed him, yeah. but these guys around here will uh, oh, say yeah. how I, fast he was. I've, Anybody I've from your era will say, that dude, yeah. on his good days, you, no one could
3: touch him. You know, like, we don't know it, but, like, <coughs> I watch documentaries, and there'll be something about, like, Mike Hailwood, Yeah. Mike the bike, and he did this or that. And then you watch, and you're like, well, I'm sure he got beat on occasion. But, you know, like, and then, like, the only time that he ever really was going to get beat was by Giacomo Agostini. And, he, and his bike broke, but they were, it wasn't sure he was yeah. going to win, you know. Yeah. And so that's, like, one of Giacomo Agostini's, like, brightest and most... I and mean, his special moments and his proudest moments mm-hmm. is the time that he almost beat him, yeah. you know? And, and I, I know that that's like, you know, like Babe Ruth, you have Babe Ruths in motorcycle racing, you know? And, um, I love that about our sport, you know? Um, it's endless, the possibilities yeah. and you can be everything that you can be every time you swing a leg over or, or not, you know, and um, I, I, like, I like watching it and following it. And, I, and I'm super excited about this project that we've got coming because I can be a part of maybe helping people realize that, yeah. you know. And I, I can bring some of these, like, barbecue stories to life for yeah. people to come. Yeah. Well, community has got to
1: be a part of any form of racing if people don't feel that they're part of something or involved in something it's it's, it's surface value, one mechanical, one injury one, you know you're out. but when yeah. you're a part of a community or, or a family, um, it, it keeps people involved and brings people back over and over. I think
0: well, I wonder how you can recreate that like you talked about that intermediate class being so some of your best times, and I think back to the same thing for me, um, there wasn't the expectation of being <laughs> You're in a pro class, and you race an expert, and now, you know what I mean? You're kind of looking like, I want to be a pro. Yeah. But you're better than just a novice where you're sucking, right? Like You're good enough to really so kind of get it. It was
1: different in South Africa, but I'll tell you that later. Well, so to me,
0: it was like that intermediate class was when the competition was just really pure. And yeah. the whole sport was very pure. You were doing it because you loved it, and you wanted to get to here, but it wasn't, that wasn't the, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to make this a career yet. You know what I mean? Right. You just had, I had a group of guys I raced with, like you did. And they, none of them ever went on to do anything, but like we battled every weekend. And <laughs> yeah. our parents, we, we were friends, but we were also pretty damn competitive. competitive yeah, and yeah. the friendship just pure, the, the friendship man. varied between the <laughs> race <laughs> yeah. results yeah. on yeah. weekends. Yeah. It
1: was like, hey, you want to go? I'm buying. I'm yeah. buying next weekend. Is yeah, piss <laughs> off. He beat us.
0: I don't know. I, I think that that's a, a sweet spot in the sport, and I, it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that
3: because well, I've always felt like that. I'm trying to re- recreate it is probably dip, is almost impossible, but. You know, because of this, because of our world, there's there's people that are inviting and people that are uninviting, and um, the big thing is in motorcycling. Once you put your helmet on, it all goes away. So even if you know, like you're intimidated a little bit about because it is intimidating. I remember seeing guys with their goggles and you know, like with tear off, so they were just like a mirror, and they'd look at you like. You didn't even know where they were looking, really. Yeah, yeah and, and it was scary. But as long as, you know, you, you, you got to, to, to get with the right person to encourage you to do it, or, yeah, come on, you know, like, I'll show you my bike. and Yeah. Um, you can bypass all those people that might have been abrasive and been, like, too busy, you know. Everybody's in their own world, so, yeah. you know, you, but you can find a place yeah, in motorcycling. Some of, I mean, you guys, I could tell you like the best times when you have your helmet on. Don't go away, and they're special, and they're yours. But you share them with other people because you know they've experienced similar feelings. You know, yeah. not the same one, but they have to know that feeling. Yeah, and that that can be easy to to pass on it's just give somebody a little time yeah and put them on a bike and work with them and i think we can what we can do out there it it has so much potential to be just that and so we're all excited warty's and and warty's another guy that is just an amazing person i wouldn't be doing this with just guys that i raced with because they were racers um it's the people Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of a lot of those photos are the people. Mm. I mean, there's people, you know. Yeah, like there's stories. a picture in there. I'm sitting with, uh um Joël Robert, and he's we drinking a beer. We drink a beer before I race a supermoto race together. Because you're not going to say no it's, to it's, having yeah. a beer. Right. With I was going to say, yeah. Joël Robert said, "Hey <laughs> man, we're going to have a beer before you go out there." You're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. It was a little one. It was a jupiler. Yeah. It, anyway, <laughs> it's the people and. Um, for, for right now, these things that are happening just feel right, and, you know, you feel like the universe is pulling you this way, and, you know, in the last, I don't know how many years, I've done a lot of things. I went away totally from racing after I retired in, like, 90, and then tried to come back a few times, and they were more like, my kids wanted me to race, so I did a couple supercrosses and qualified, and... That was good. And then Supermoto came around, and, and I did that. And that sort of saved me because I had some, like, I started not caring about myself. And, and um, I haven't read this thing that Imig just did about the after racing. Um, I'm interested to hear his story because, you know, mine wasn't all that great. You know, once you're done racing, yeah, we'll, we'll life talk just about really doles yeah. down. Well, so. Rhino,
0: when you listen to his show, he, yeah. he said something I thought that was really clean. He said, professional motocross racers die twice. The first time when the racing career ends and then again when they actually die. Yeah, Because you have to, you know, everything that you've been about from whatever the age is till the time you're done is gone. And so what now? What, who are you now? And you've got to really figure that out. And it's, it's tough. We'll, we'll go through that. I've got some questions for you because I, okay. I got something I don't think you'll we'll even remember. We'll stay on. Topic yeah, here. don't speed ahead of me. Okay, take me, th- let's go to factory Honda. Actually, hold on, before we get to that.
3: Why do we want to go there?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I thought it was, I wrote this down. Uh, you talked about racing. You were racing the 125 class and the 500 class. I thought it was normal back then, but like, how weird is that? That you would race those you, two bikes, And a lot right? of times
1: 250 guys were a little more focused on 250s, but yeah. yeah. But it was just normal back
3: then. Oh, huh, you just raced everything a little bit. Uh, I think when I first started in the early 80s, the 500 class, if you were 500 champion, you were at the top. If yeah. you were 500 world champion, it took Brad 10 years to get yeah. it. Yeah. And it was worth it, it for him to do that. And maybe in hindsight, he, you know, he could have done all kinds of stuff in America, but he chased the the highest. Yeah. He knew he won't, you know, I don't care if I win the stepping stones. I want to... Stand on the top. So mm. that's kind of the mentality I think when I first started riding, but that went away when Supercross mm. was born. Then it was, I want to be the Supercross champion. Um, premier Class Outdoors. A lot of guys stayed on the 250 outdoors. Um, there was a few that that like Wordy, that, that I want to win all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I you know Brock. Wardy, um, and I'm slipping my mind if I'm thinking.
0: Bale rode the 125. Yeah, uh,
3: Kedrowski. Yeah, um, Cooper. Cooper did well. 500 was gone, probably. Yeah, that's about true. That but right. I was going to
1: say, wasn't there also? There were a few years. Wasn't half the outdoors mm-hmm. 125, and then they did the other half 500. <laughs> the 250 class went all year. Yeah, and then it was it
0: was six or five rounds of 125 and five, five? rounds of 500, right?
3: Yes. So, no, the, the 125 went all year. The 250 and 500 oh, is that right? s- split it up. Ah, okay. So, then, I, actually, I rode for Yamaha, and we had to ride this 360. And, you know, no offense to anybody that worked on it. It just... <laughs> no. It, it, I don't think it's, you're offending yeah. anyone. I think even those people admitted it. It's pretty it widely known. Was that yeah. the same
0: bike Bradshaw I ended up racing on, or was uh, that a better
3: version still? I... You know what? I think he went back to the to the old two stroke uh, air cooled five hundred. Yeah. yeah, because okay. the other one wasn't. I mean, it just it sucked, yeah. and and it was it was taking a two fifty and putting parts on it so the other ones would you know the clutch would burn out. And it was mm. just it, it was it was a way that they could have a five hundred, but mm. that was Makeshift pretty much five hundred. Yeah, pretty much okay, gotcha. ended there, but it was in the race. But it was in the race. Yeah. That was it. I'm um,
0: always surprised Yamaha didn't just make a legit 500. Like, what was the hang-up back then?
1: Dude, I bet you he's probably doing the same I don't thing that we've you all done <laughs> over the years. There's uh, so many times
3: I'm like, why? Has well, it they ended up making a four-stroke, you know? Yeah, I guess so, they jumped. <coughs> yeah, jumped maybe it was like, maybe in hindsight, they're like, we're not going to get screwed this time. Yeah. We're going to do it. Okay. Everybody was saying no. So,
0: so take me into your factory Honda days. How did you get that ride? How'd that come about? You were a Husky guy leading up to that um were you doing nationals on the husky and like supercross
3: i did nationals and supercross and that year i did 250 and supercross um danny laporte was the 500 rider and he ended up breaking his femur and had a, a a short career with with husky okay but it started out that year i was 250 danny was 500 and we both did supercross um I ended up having a good, pretty much good year in Supercross. Um, I had a mechanic named Bill West. Bill put some... I had a cylinder head that had actual copper pipes that that bridged and became ports because there was no material on the cylinder to carve out more more passage. So... <laughs> It it was it was a weird looking bike. <laughs> I'm just but trying it to picture myself. <laughs> pretty yeah.
1: wicked for back then.
3: Yeah, but it was. Well, it was it, ahead of its time almost, huh? A lot of bondo and yeah, you know, that's a lot little of stuff scary. That was, yeah, and it and it seems it, legit. It actually, I had some moments like at, at Houston when you know one supercross. What, what year was it? This was '85. Okay. So it, this is '85 going into supercross. There was, I don't know how many races. We actually had two motos in Supercross then. So you you had two chances, two 10 or 12 lap races, main events, plus the qualifying. And you did qualifying, you did a qualifier, a semi, and then two mains. Oh, jeez. And um, I think, like, uh, there was a couple times where, like, the seat or the, what do you call it, wheel tapping stuff hadn't really come around, and I I was doing it. And... um, in between, like, practice and, uh, or maybe the heat in the main, two guys walked up, and it was Bailey and, John, and Omara, and Bailey asked me, hey, how are you, how you doing that thing over there? You know, like, and I was like, that thing. Yeah. Like, how I you I doing that thing? Really know. Were but, you, uh, did you, like, look up to them at that point? Or Oh, what? yeah. They were yeah. like, I was like, <coughs> Mr., you know. Mr. Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to tell I, you, but I just can't. Yeah. Uh, but, That's uh, pretty cool. I, I had some moments on the Husky, and I got a few... I didn't make a podium, but I got a few that were, like, close to a podium on a Husky and was beating... You know, there was a lot of factory guys then. So um, I'd also have, like, a total her- terrible weekend, one weekend, but I had a couple good showings, and I got a call from from uh, from Dave Arnold. Yeah. And in the off-season, they lost... Um, <laughs> Uh, Ronnie uh, Lachine, um, so he went to Cowie. Mm. It's a sort of a long story, but there was some problems, and he lost his ride, so a ride opened up at Honda, and that was the first year, or maybe the second, that they had the 125 rule to where you could win a championship and then repeat one year, but then you were out. Okay. So um, it changed the 125 class outdoors, so there wasn't so many, you know, there was a handful of guys that just rode 125s outdoors, 250s indoors. Um, but that was it. The, you know, it changed the, the rule. So anyway, and that was the year of the production rules. So there were no more factory bikes. A right. lot of yeah. changes going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened
0: with Ronnie? How did he get let go? Uh, or is that like a story that... Well, we
3: that's probably yeah. one you should you, when you <laughs> have, <laughs> have him on. Okay. He'll tell you all about all right. it. All right. Did that uh,
2: involve
1: Japan, possibly?
3: Yeah, uh, his uh, customs okay. in Japan. He didn't fill out
1: like, a slip correctly, and they yeah. pulled him aside. Yeah. So they sent him okay. home. Said,
0: "Are bah. you claiming anything?" Yes, four ounces of weed. <laughs> yeah. I'm
3: keistering it. Uh, yeah, I hope he's not. It's my cataract. No,
0: we, Ronnie, we're gonna have him on. He's. Yeah. Uh, can't to, I can't wait. I
3: hate to tell stories that he can tell way better than me. <laughs> um, so an opening. All so right, an opening, well, that's cool. Opening came up and. So it was I,
1: unexpected then I'm assuming as well. Yeah.
3: And I had already signed a contract with Husky. Oh. F- for like a, a whopping like at the time seemed big like $24,000 and then I got a gear deal with Malcolm Smith and. So I was already like, okay, it's going to be a great year next year, and there's going to be new Huskies. But you know that that wasn't happening. Yeah. I was just the they hoping. were going, Shh. Yeah. yeah. And um, so Honda called, and and I really didn't even know what to do. So I, I immediately like kind of. They said we would like to have you out and ride the bike and talk to you, and it was more like they're going to watch me ride it and see what they thought. And so I I did. I I drove out to. Um, Honda Land in okay. Simi Valley, and I did a test. Um, there was like uh, there was mechanics there. It was like maybe um, was Jim maybe Eric, Eric Crippa, Brian Lunis, and and Roger Coster, okay, and Dave Arnold, okay. and then me, um, and I was scared. No pressure. I was just scared, <laughs> and um, they had me ride on. They had a couple outdoor tracks, and I rode, and um, Roger was riding, and I swear Roger was doing better lap times than me at that time. He was. He still could it go. It was huh? like there was off camber stuff where he'd get in the line, he'd get the wheel in there, and so I was just like, I, I did the test, and I like was driving home, like just almost tearing up because I was like, man, it just you know didn't go well. I, I just didn't know. And um, did you feel like you were riding fast? I was I was trying to ride fast. I didn't want to fall. I just didn't. I didn't want to sound stupid or anything. Yeah. One thing that that I, I rode for probably for five laps, and the axle bolt came loose, and the wheel cocked sideways and kind of put like a brake on. Oh. So I rode it back and was like, I don't know what's wrong. And so then I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. You know, was, at first I'm like, you got to pick up the pace. You know, who cares if it's working or not? But I didn't. I pulled in and they. Oh, it's sorry, and then fixed it, and we went on. And um, I remember that happened, and then I rode probably over the course of three hours, maybe twenty, thirty laps. Did they and want you to do motos, or did they just, did they just say go you know, go just, ride? Just ride. They, they. I guess they were watching. They wanted me to see what the bike was like. I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't as fit as you know I was when I was racing, but. Uh-huh. It was at the end of the year. Um, I wasn't in that bad of shape, so it, it worked yeah. out okay. And I, I actually rode, you know, I hadn't been riding 125, so yeah. I guess it, it it was okay because I got home and then they called and off, offered me a deal. And so then I called Mark Blackwell, who was team manager for Husky, and told him, hey, this has happened. And they're offering me like three times as much money as well as it's Honda. And he's like... I'm not going to hold you back. And Blackwell was cool about it. <coughs> Absolutely. That was um, cool. Yeah. And that's where we parted ways, but... Um, and
0: what, what do you remember from that Honda? Like, were you right away like, wow, this thing is legit? Or was it like, no, nah, it's good, but... It was
3: probably as good as the 250 I'd been riding. Mm-hmm. And it was a stock standard bike. Oh, it was? Uh, yeah. It was a stalker. So all of a sudden, yeah. you're also thinking, man, I need to be on yeah. this side of the fence. I was... I was like kind of like I didn't even know how to call and tell. You know? It was like <laughs> Yeah. My dad was like, Yeah, well and my dad my dad's not he, he's always been supportive. Um at times he I mean he's tough as nails and, and he was a good example always. But he wasn't that guy that was like, Well you better get your you better quit riding for a husky, you know. He was like, Well you better fix things with a Husky. Um so we did. And, um, and then that's, that's how we were off to, to take that up. I ended up not being able to pick a mechanic, but I got the mechanic of Chris Haynes, who was great. He took me aside and, like, coached me and taught me all kinds of things. And this is how you test. This is, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is how we've done it. And, you know, taught me the ropes of, like, how to learn how to make the bike work. Carburation was huge. So every weekend, we carbureted for at least an hour before we did anything, even if it was in a parking lot. We yeah. Would, jet the bike. Yeah. And and jet the so, bike. It
1: was so
0: important. Got to well, jet the bike. Well, uh, just an air screw change or a different needle could be the difference between you going, my bike is ripping, or, yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. I mean, and everywhere so you big. went, the
3: air was different, the altitude, the temp, so they were yeah. finicky. At Colorado, when you raced that there, I mean, there was it meant the difference of like I can jump that or I can't. Yeah. And um, our bike was really strong because their work ethic was relentless. Right. We tested you. You were there at six in the morning, and you tested till it was dark, mm-hmm. and then you stayed in a hotel, and you woke up and did the same thing the next day. Mm. And when it wasn't working, you figured out how to make it work, and you fixed it. Mm. Um, That was the only team I have ever ridden for that you would have. I mean, by the end of the, the, the test day or two days or three, it was better than when you started. A lot of times... You work, and you don't get better. (laughs) We've had those days. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: That's always
0: exciting. We've had those days where you test and test (coughs) and test, and you kind of get lost in it, and then at the end of the day, you go, let's go back to where we started. And you're like,
1: that's the best thing we've had
0: all day. We wasted a whole day out here chasing our tails.
3: Um, Yeah, I had races where it was like, put it back to the stock setting. Yeah. Like, what? we never ran the stock setting. I'm like, well, we should try it because yeah. this sucks. <laughs> when
1: in doubt, go back to as close a box stand as you can yeah. and then rather tell someone, hey, you know what? It's too soft or it's too slow and then build from there. It is easy to get lost when, Yeah. yeah. you know.
3: Anyway. Uh, I, so that was 86? That.
0: 86. Okay. And you won, the, did you win the 125 title that year or was it the next year?
3: Um, I won that year. Yeah. Um, I... Um, Wait, what did you do on Supercross? Uh, well, slow down. Sorry. I did the first race, which was Gainesville, and someone just popped it up on, on the internet, and I watched it. David, uh, David's Gary Bailey filmed it. Okay. And the first turn at Gainesville, I, I went down. And I remember getting up, and I, I don't really remember the details, but it was like I didn't get up thinking I was going to jump back on and go. And it was it was slow getting up and my back hurt and I and I ended up getting on and I caught up to sixth. And and then the second race I whole shot and then I ran in the front for a while and um like you know when you you, you hurt your lower back and then you just can't you can't even stand up on yeah. the bike after yeah. a while. I had one of those second motos, and I ended up finishing maybe fourth, so I did six four. That was my first Outing on a Honda. Oh,
0: oh, so you didn't race Supercross? There was no Supercross No, no, no. This that. is
3: before Supercross started. Okay. So I did that event, and that was Gainesville. And then you had, um, after Gainesville, the next weekend was the first, or was uh, the Supercross of uh, Daytona. Okay. So I probably ran a Supercross already, which was Anaheim. And I don't know what other ones there were besides Anaheim. Maybe Anaheim, San Diego, and then it was Daytona. Okay. That year.
0: And you were riding 250 Supercross.
3: Yes. Okay. But uh, that was my first 125. Was at Gainesville. Okay. The next weekend at Daytona. I thought I was gonna win the Supercross of Daytona. I was really fast, and I was jumping a few things that other people weren't, and. I got a good start, and I passed Johnson, and I jumped this jump into the corner, and um, I, fell, I, like, I fell down. I like, went down in a corner and had to get up, but I thought, I got this, and it was like the first lap, <laughs> but I was a little, um, a little bit loose, went down, I got up, and then tried to come back to the pack, and I hit somebody, broke my foot, Oh! so I went from the track to the hospital, and um, there was a race like two weeks later, which was the second round of 125s. And I had a, like, I broke a toe in my foot that was like a, a pretty good break. So, yeah.
0: surgery or no? Just cast? No
3: surgery. Um, cast. And I went and stayed with the doctor. Like, I stayed at his office for a week. And I did ultrasound and diathermy. These two. That countered each other, pushed blood in, pushed it out, pushed yeah. it in, pushed it out for a week, and then I went and raced and had my first moto win at Gainesville two weeks later after. At
0: Gainesville, yeah. they did went back there.
3: Yeah, no, no. After Gainesville, went to uh, Daytona. Yeah, two weeks later after Gainesville was the the next round yeah. in Hangtown, and I won my first moto. Um, I wasn't really having the effects of a of a broken foot because i just had been working on it for 2 weeks huh. um and was got through th- yeah it didn't hurt like was oh it? yeah it hurt oh, okay. but yeah but it was enough to to manageable to heal enough to to race yeah yeah
1: well i think sometimes when that gate drops there's something about adrenaline and that riders just mm. You know, people have said, how did you do that? I'm like, I honestly don't know because right yeah. now I'm crying like a little girl yeah. and I don't know how I did it out there. But when you get in that moment, I think sometimes you can block out a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: So who were you battling with that year? Who were
3: the um, guys you were scrapping with? Well, the two Suzuki guys, George Holland and Eric Kehoe, mm-hmm. they were going in and then there was like maybe AJ Whiting and there was like five Suzuki guys. Um, AJ, um, George, and and Eric were all of the the factory guys, I believe. Okay. Maybe AJ wasn't. He Support, should have been. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but he was good. Um, Eric probably was the fastest of the, the the three, but George was steady and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the the main Suzuki guys. Um, Cowie had Eddie Warren and. I can't remember. Bader who Manet? It was. Uh, probably Bader and there was a couple of really fast guys like Bader yeah. that, that um were privateers. Like, like Larry Brooks was a privateer yeah. for Honda. Um, I was the only pro or the factory Honda, but there was there was Larry, there was Larry Ward, there was there's a couple yeah. of different guys. Any Cooper. Yamaha guys? Yamaha had Keith Bowen and Keith was the fastest. Okay. There was Keith fastest. Maybe Eric, then me, and I had to beat those guys. And there was times when I just, like, speed-wise, I couldn't beat, I couldn't beat either one of those guys. Yeah. But I could manage them. So, I also, with the help of, um, with Chris Haynes, um, I learned how to win, even though I wasn't the fastest. You know, I, and I had there was some strategy um, in the beginning. Bowen ended up with a pretty substantial point lead mm-hmm. and after my foot kind of healed and we wanted to get back we started chipping away at the point lead and I would always start next to Keith and starting first and jump and pinch him mm-hmm. and then gotta give do him what a you bad do. start yeah and after a couple races we we ended up with the point lead and then I won maybe three overalls that year but after a while it started being like it wasn't good enough unless I could win a moto you know like you didn't go yeah. You didn't go to get beat. Yeah. And I I may have at times protected point leads, but I really I I mean I each race was its own race.
0: You were still going out to win. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And what you have to do. And we definitely had the best bike. Yeah. So um there were times when I just pretty much outbiked
0: guys. Yeah. yeah I, that's gotta be just the best feeling. I know you talked about that in the GPs a little bit on that KTM with all the horsepower, but to go to the line, knowing all right. Yeah. I got yeah. I, my bike is faster than everybody. I've I've got an advantage.
1: It really. It's also ment- me- mentally. Advan- yeah, yeah. Because you good go there, head. going it's all on me, and I know I can do it. So yeah, hmm.
3: it's. It, I mean, it, it depends how you process pressure and how you consider pressure. I mean, and honestly, we all. I mean, like you could wake up. And be in a certain mood, and be like, "Hey, it don't matter if you know you get hit with the lightning all day; you're still going to win." Yeah. And there's other days where you wake up and you're like, "Man, I just, I just want to get in the top five yeah. today because I don't feel yeah. myself." And um, and it's but it's it's an amazing thing, you know. Like it, it can change in a lap; it can yeah. change in a corner. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you were talking about the race this weekend, and and I don't know what had happened to to present Eli with that moment where that weird coincidence happened but it ruined his it ruined his drive yeah, and his yeah. flow yeah. it was gone from that point he had to try to come back to where it was and it was going to take laps to do that so any situation that we dealt with it was great to have experienced with with Chris and with Roger Roger you just listening, and he could say three words, but if you took enough time to think about it, it meant a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he might just, you know, like where Marvin started? Uh, like I watch now and I, I know that like what Roger says, I, I and it, maybe it's in the best interest of the team to spread guys out on the gate. But Marvin, where he started, I believe like what I was looking at was like what I'd heard Roger say a couple of times. Like, sometimes it's better to be over there. You have a turn that's going to... Less resistance. If you're jumping good, your jump's good tonight. Yeah. Yeah. This is a better spot. So, there's a lot of things that I learned that helped me get through that year Mm -hmm. and get through injuries. Number one, to be able to race and make points when you didn't feel good. I mean, those, those guys all do it now, and we don't know about it because... You're not going to advertise. Hey, I'm all banged up and messed up, and I can barely <laughs> yeah. walk. But I'm going to try to line up today. Yeah, they're not. They're going to act like they're great, even when they're not. So it's annoying. Yeah. Everyone sweeps it under the rug now, and they, yeah. But uh, it's they, a different
0: I, story. If you got hurt at a race and left in an ambulance, right? right. So everyone
3: knew your foot was broken. It's not like you were <clears> then you came hire. back and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I I love the spirit of, and I, that's that's another thing that I I love about being um, a motorcycle racer, or growing up this way, because yeah. I don't have the, I don't have that, uh, you know, like, I have a mind that, like, it complains all the time, but it, it when it doesn't want to, it won't say no. Like, it won't say quit. You yeah. Know? And there were times when I, when I took the bait and I packed it in, and they bother me even today those like those races. If I see photos from it or like see a video, I'm like, "Fuck!" I know I sucked that day, and it's because my mind wasn't right. and yeah. I, I, I quit.
0: Yeah, know? and that's something you're taught from the day you start racing motocross. Don't ever yeah. quit, right? I mean, yeah. I, at least elbows up, you know, whatever the other things, Chim- you know, whatever the basics are, and then it's like never quit. I don't care if you crash 12 times, finish the race. Right. And I think that's a really valuable lesson. In life, you know what I mean. There's going to be times shit is not going your way. You don't (coughs) quit. It's kind of what Rhino, you you know, you keep talking about his show. It's like he said that same thing. We're running a race, and it's not a sprint. You know, so if your life's dealing you shit cards right now, yeah, yeah, exactly. Throw those in, you'll get some new ones, and it'll turn around. You But you, but
1: you know what I think too is we're all programmed and taught how to win, but no one ever teaches the average athlete on how to handle. Shitty times or or, how or to failure. Take an L.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know,
1: like it's win, win, win. But then, what happens when you lose, 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 lose? Yeah. Now all of a sudden you, you don't know what to say, who to ask. You can't tell people. You can't. You know. Yeah. So you, you're programmed to, to learn how to win. But I, I, someone said it not too long ago, and I thought, you know, that's a good point. No one's ever taught. Hey, when failure happens, or when you don't win, this is how you handle it. Think about it. Has anyone prepared you for failure? Like genuinely.
0: Well, all I would say is... I mean, the, your parents the,
1: have said, hey, you're not going to win every time, but I'm talking about yeah. preparing you for yeah. that time or that moment when you're just, you're not winning and it, things suck. It, it, and so
0: I would say my dad instilled that in me and that was what I was getting at is if I had a bad race and I crashed or I just wasn't good, he, on the way home, it was okay. You didn't, fi- you know, you yeah. kept going. You finished the race. Let's talk about what, what went wrong. How can we get better? And we would learn from it. And so I've taken that. I mean, shit, since I quit racing and, and went paramedics well i'm talking more about just
1: mentally meaning as a as a person not so much hey this is what we're going to do to win next time but i think more like how you deal with things mentally but that
0: lesson to me translates whether it's dirt bikes that weekend or life in general okay you didn't quit that's step one now it, it went bad how what do we do to change it and how do we get back to winning races whether that's life okay hey you got divorced Bummer. Oh well, your okay. dad
1: was better than most, at least. <laughs> well, don't say that. No, my dad was great.
0: I yeah. mean, he, he always... Mine was
1: more
3: like, if you don't freaking get <laughs> your shit together, we're quitting this crap. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My dad uh, really... Did you get any of that? I got... There was like, hey, this stuff, any kid on the block would love to be in your shoes. Yeah. Race. But, you know, th- those are lessons that needed to be taught as well. Yeah. I think what you're saying is the same thing. Like, this, this book, I wrote this book, and a lot of the same things are in there because that race the bicycle race is the longest, most grueling thing, and it doesn't go away. Not today, or tomorrow, (laughs) or the next day, or the day after that. It's like, it keeps going. And you can be on your deathbed, and and six hours, you might be totally a different person. So you can survive things that are like, when you pack it in, you can only pack it in once. But you can keep going, you know, and, and find another way. And I think that's that's a hard thing to do in life, and it's always the things that are the hardest that are the most rewarding in the end mm-hmm, for sure and i i I don't know why the things that you suffer at for the longest period of time always are the ones the gyms and I know that it's difficult sometimes because only one person can win in our sport it's the winner yeah. you know but there's certain times where I like, I learned through many, many years, and I, it wouldn't have happened during my career. It's like, you know, I'm 54 now, so I mean, I've had time to, to become a little bit more aware of what things actually meant mm-hmm. that I've dealt with in life. So, a lot of the, I just can't accept it as a loss, yeah. even though I wasn't the winner, I just won't accept it as a loss anymore. Yeah. And there's 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 events and races that, that teach you that. They're not maybe the supercross where you got twenty laps and in twenty minutes there's gonna be somebody on the podium and he's gonna be the winner and second, third and, and wherever you are, you're where you are and that's you can't change it. Yeah. An event that's like a, a marathon or you know, or something's like a okay, I survived that event, you know. Um there's Pike's Peak or uh, Baja 1000 the races that I've done that they don't have the same intensity in the same sense that a supercross main event does but it's grueling they, yeah there's there's more suffering involved yeah. and there's there's more time to 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 make improvements or to create damage for yourself mm. and It's how you process things and how you keep working through them. Maybe you find a win even in a loss. Yeah.
0: Right? Like, okay, I'm not the winner of this race, but I did this better. This improved. I didn't get tired. or You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's like you said, processing it or looking at it from a different perspective and
3: then taking those lessons and moving forward with it. Um, It continues. It goes on. I mean, I'm still trying to become the man I'm supposed to be you know and and I hope I meet him before I die but (laughs) it's uh it's it's not so much of a struggle but it's it's just life you know and I love the fact that we get to to do so many cool things in it and it's a lot of them came from motorcycling and I and I had that blessing and then what I've learned there is kind of helped in other things Hey, I can. And I'll I can say, take in that one.
0: I'll I literally say that. wouldn't
3: be here if it wasn't for motocross. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing. Well,
0: look at that. I mean, if you look at how many people globally will never get to travel around the world like we did. No. Let alone get paid for it. They they won't can't
3: afford uh, to go. Shoot, some people Europe. don't even. I mean, most people in, in general, like if you looked at the numbers, half of them don't even have a, a TV? electricity yeah. to turn a light on to to read about us. There's a statistic, and I'll get it all wrong, but it's like, if you have a television,
0: you're in the top, like, 2% of uh, economic
1: prosperity globally,
0: if you have a yeah. TV.
1: So, I... I you, well, the people here go, oh, man, I really want to go to this place on vacation. Oh, where is that? Um, yeah. That's somewhere on this <laughs> atlas. I swear. I know. Um, I've heard about it. I've seen yeah. pictures.
0: <laughs> well, I just... My, my point was just that being involved in the sport the way the three of us have so lucky regardless i've got no titles but i look back on my time as a racer just so stoked that i got that opportunity because it spun into other things for me and i've seen so much eating pizza eating pizza in that little uh cafe in belgium with me and you and Warren. Just stuff
3: that's like those are like
1: so nice that that probably would have been the best slice of pizza you've (laughs) had in a long time it was good pizza. Did you were around it all good people. Place? You're in a foreign place. You're talking about different things, a different experience.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think we were in you're doing Italy. this,
1: coughing out the smoke.
3: Bologna, Italy. You and I got stuck in an elevator after <laughs> we ran home from ice skating. <laughs> oh, I had geez, like a yeah. I had like a crack in my <laughs> collarbone. Too. Did you? Yeah, I think so. We were at some, the, the
0: worst here. the Bologna Motor Show, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. And there was yes, a super man. motor race yep. there. Oh yeah, and Cassidy, and we were out, Cassidy got weeded then like, yeah. over the bars. Yeah, he did. I had a pretty good weekend. Uh, Ever yeah. raced. Stefan yeah. Everts. Yeah. I remember he watching up, that one. Yeah. Did yeah. he win? He ended up winning the, when they had the elimination yeah, race. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He passed, uh, oh, the German, the Kunzel? German, no, You're, the guy that wore the weird boots. Oh. He was a young looking guy. Yeah, anyway. That, that doesn't narrow the down. The racing, yeah. I, <laughs>
0: honestly, I sucked. It was a terrible weekend racing, but I remember being at some little, uh, Italian little restaurant, we're drinking Italian wine, and I was just, I took a second right then,
1: Yeah,
0: and I'm hanging out in you're Italy. You're like, I'm whatever. getting
1: paid to do I mean, this? Bologna, I'm in like, Bologna, Italy. This cool. I got
0: paid to come here, yeah. and I'm hanging out with Mickey Diamond drinking wine. Just, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like well, you got to stop when you're having those moments and really appreciate it, because got to take it all in. That yeah. That doesn't happen for everybody.
1: A huge, huge blessing. Or some people say, yeah. stop and smell the flowers. Yeah, you yeah. got to. Or the, the puppies, uh, or the, the puppies. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> did you count the legs on that thing
0: too while yeah, they are at it? Yeah, I just will. You it give down. it a little. All right, so you won the championship that season. Sorry, we keep. We, it's good when we go down these rabbit holes. We like that, but I do like to steer it back so I can get the rest of my story here. Uh, <laughs> you won that championship that summer. Did you ever think you would? I mean, was that like a shock for you? Like I can't believe I just
3: did this. Uh, or, you, uh, or at I a point, it, did you expect it? Well, I became wrapped into that the nucleus of Honda. Mm. And um, it was, there was some pressure. I mean, I, I felt a lot of pressure. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to win. Yeah. You know? And if I didn't win, I was going to, you know, like I, I would have saw that as a total failure. So um, it was a relief in a sense, but it was also like, wow, you know, I won a championship. Yeah. And, um, so uh, I I really I you know I was already thinking of two, like, I want to win a Supercross you know I I was yeah. thinking like that um, at the end of '86 I had taken a few trips out of the country when I rode for Husky one was to South Africa um, in '80. It might have been '84, really. But I was there for, what? and I did three races. I raced against it was Tarantino, Wosik, Jim, Larry Wosik, yeah. and yeah. Um, and then myself, Jim Holly, Brian wrote a yeah. cowie and was super fast. Yeah, I remember guys talk about him. So that where fast. were
0: you? What where, what cities were you in?
3: Uh, Johannesburg. You guys raced at a place called Carbrick.
1: It was called Brick Hall back then. Yeah.
3: They changed it. It's where they actually made bricks yeah, for it the it house. Yeah, was, was all red. clay quarry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, <coughs> we did an indoor supercross type of race. Sun had City. A big jump. No, it wasn't Sun City. Oh, though. Kings Park? Yeah. was the big open stadium? Yeah. That it was like, like a horse out. arena. It was like a horse, I think. Yeah. I Maybe sprint kind And a flat almost. track, yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they had a big jump. Um, I got the to finish run- line?
1: Yeah, on the front. Yeah,
3: it was insane. It was back huge. Then. I was a kid. It was like third gear. He was. I kid. probably I
1: probably came and watched a couple yeah. of years after you were there. Then yeah, as a
3: kid. Yeah, yeah. pretty crazy. But um, that was the only time I left, and and I went with Husky, and I went out of the country, um, and we ran methanol on the bike, and made KTM or the sorry the Husker, the Husky work like a Japanese bike. Oh yeah, it's. It still blew up, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We went through some motors. (laughs) But um, so at the end of 86, I had invites to go to Europe and race quite a few different supercrosses. Bercy was one of them. It paid good, huh? Did you make some? Yeah. And um, I I was like, David and Johnny had bikes. David and Ricky had bikes. Johnny was moving to... Cowie. Suzuki at
0: that time. Suzuki, yeah. Oh, Suzuki, okay.
3: And so they didn't have a factory bike, but um, or bikes from Honda, but there was a guy named Moreau, um, Michael Moreau, that had like Pro Circuit. If you could imagine Pro Circuit in France, it would be Moreau Honda. Okay. I remember those
0: logos. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So he gave us a bike, and um, it was three nights, and... Mm -hmm. Um, I went over there and I went to Japan first and I had a great result in Japan. I was like, I was riding behind Bailey and I was afraid to pass him because it was Bailey. Yeah. And, and, and plus he had, he, he was fired up because Rick Ryan had took him out of a winning, uh-huh. you know, winning night. So, um, but I was fast and I knew it. So um, I did a couple of international races, went to Japan and did that. It's too bad they don't do that now because it was awesome. And to um, go to Japan and Osaka do that. Osaka
1: or Tokyo? Yep, Osaka.
3: Uh, yeah, it was, and then they had two, um, Osaka and Tokyo. So you had two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then ran. I went to Fukuoka for a little while.
1: And, and, and Fukuoka, all of you. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> well, no, 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 that's a different website. <laughs> no, but <they> still
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's still running, actually. No, I'm kidding. Um, Osaka, I think they, were, they may have been one of the first to do a tunnel jump across yeah, the under, over, yeah, over uh, yeah. if I remember correctly.
3: And uh, back yeah. at that time, they were, and then and then was adopted over here. Hmm. It was, um, yeah, Craig Craig Dak mm-hmm. rode um, for the same team. Well, that's another story. Daca. But go back to the. Um, so I went with with Honda to Europe after I'd won, um, and I also was on the cusp of being on the trophy of the nation team. So that was like a, a dream too. That okay, I won the championship. Um, I got to go to Brazil to ride the last 125 Grand Prix mm. to prove that I was able to beat those guys. They hadn't picked the team yet, but right now it looked like I wasn't going to be on the team. It was going to be David, Ricky, and Johnny. Mm. Um, all Honda. So Honda was like, well yeah they're going to yeah. one half a dozen yeah. other, but Johnny was leaving right Johnny was leaving but and it, still it was stayed. his last it was his last moment on a on a Honda so um it was a i didn't want to miss out and be not be on the team, but you know i didn't you know feel bad if Johnny rode it was Johnny's last ride, yeah. and he rode my bike and that was where they went to majora and had that great they won every race and um, but I ended up going to brazil and doing the last and taking my bike we shipped it put on a plane and um and i raced over there and i won both races and i i rode myself into the ground to just prove that i could beat everybody and i and it was me roger and and um chris haynes my mechanic that went and um it was like a, a great moment and um and i really rode like like you ever have a Memory, like you rode every lap, trying to be faster. Like that was the your lap last lap before, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember, I like, had, my hands were really blistered. They were long motos. I, I, I think I won by over like the first one. I won. It was like forty second lead, mm-hmm. but the second one was even bigger. And um, I just felt like, okay, I've done everything I can possibly do. Yeah. How can they deny me now? And I flew home, and then it was like crickets. So um, ah. I didn't get to be on the Trophy donation Nation team. But um, I had that moment. Yeah. So um, I, did, I did some races. that, And then I also had Paris after that, where I won my first race, uh, Supercross. Mm. Was at Paris. It wasn't a full Supercross, but I, I was strong. And um, I think I would have won two nights, but I had, like, the motor broke at the end, and I got sec- I just rolled around, and I got second one night. Um, David won the overall, but it was David, Rick, Jeff, yeah. Ronnie. All the boys. Yeah, and um, so I, I came home and went into 1987 like just really um, a new person, and I um, really felt like going into 87, this is going to be my year. Okay. So, um, so take us into 87. Um, I worked without a trainer. I just worked with the people that I know and trained with the people that I know. And I worked myself into um, getting sick mm. and then epstein Bar. So ah. I started the season with Epstein-Barr in 1987. And I still was fast. I did, you know, we had our Anaheim Supercross. I was sick a couple times in preseason races and didn't really think nothing of it. But there was like one at Carlsbad, and I and I got you know I rode around. I didn't win. I had the flu. I think I took Rick out in the 250 race. I rode both classes and had a bad showing and didn't really think about it. And I just kept training until I figured out what was you know I was sick. Um, I just kept beating myself, wearing myself down even more.
0: And were you? 250 Supercross, 125 Outdoors again? Yes. Okay.
3: So I um I ended up the first year in 86, I was 43, number 43, which was and is like my favorite number. Yeah. Um, so I still use it to today. Uh and then the next year I, I got to be five on the supercross and and one on the 125. Yeah. Um uh, so Going into that season, I was still pretty fast. Like, I think I finished um, maybe fourth at Anaheim, um, but had good speed and all that. And then the next week was San Diego, and I got maybe on the podium third, but it all was just kind of going downhill. You're getting tired.: you I was getting, just, I, was getting wipe, I was like wiped out, yeah. Getting it it, huh? yeah. yeah. So I'd start the race OK. But then I never had any. There's
0: no fire. Like, guys are yeah.
3: guys are gassing it, and I'm and I'm like I'm just the hair off. So <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I ended up pulling out a supercross, and then recovering, and then um, I had two rough 125 races, and then I started winning again. So I got my my health back. Um, and your mojo. Yeah. But you didn't win that title last summer. No, I did. Yeah. You oh, did you back did. to uh, back. I did back to backs. Um, number one went number one. Yeah. Um, and we had we had a tough time with that bike because, um, because it actually turned out to be I think it was something as simple as the gas cap wasn't venting. Mm. So she had vapor lock, huh? Yeah. So we we would we would have like a, a lean. It would have a lean feel a to temporary it. Temporary lean condition yeah. or something. And, it, and we so we kept. We kept improving everything else, trying to fix it. And then by the time it was figured out, the bike was so fast. It was like a, <laughs>
4: it was a
3: light switch. It was harder to ride than the, the 86 bike. But from, you know, like up at three quarter throttle onward was, was making horsepower, like a lot. So yeah. um, it was good. Huh. That was the bike. Yeah. And that was the actual, the first race that uh, I won. Southwick? Yeah, and um, so that was the start of, okay, we're back. Um, and... <coughs> what, and gear, what
0: gear are you wearing there?
3: Is that... Uh, that's Honda Line Honda gear. Line, okay. That's a Troy Lee helmet, which I loved, and that's a Honda Line chest protector that was like stock white, and I had Troy paint it, and it was candy apple red. Yeah. And, and Honda really didn't... Prevent me from wearing it, but the guy that at Honda line didn't like it. He didn't like it. So he yeah. would tell me, don't quit wearing that. And I've, I didn't have another one, so I was like, I just didn't <laughs> wear the bone white one. That bike's pretty, man. Upside-down forks. Gold rims. Cone ribs. pipe you can see
0: on there. Like, I'll bet that thing was a rocket, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you win that at that championship again.
3: There you, was... you know you
0: have the speed in 250 Supercross. You've proven it. What happened into the next year, into 88?
3: Um, 86 ended in a, in a way that was, I, I I repeated and won the championship. 87. 87. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really have uh, an amazing year in Supercross, but I sat out a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then when I did come back, um, I just didn't have good results. Like, you know, I, I was okay, but, um there wasn't enough Supercross towards the end of the year and everything was pretty focused on the championship. Yeah. So I didn't, it was secondary to the championship. So I didn't have a big impact in Supercross. At the end of the year though, I was unable to repeat and do a 125 the next year. So I was now banned from the class.
1: Mm. Ah, okay.
5: Because I um, had even the, basically yeah.
3: was at what, you, Oh, you
1: could win, defend and then you had to go, right? Yes. So you did all that. One defended.
3: And so no,
0: Honda did not... They didn't bring you back for 88, right? You went to I Yamaha. I didn't
3: go back to Honda. And, was and, there an offer there? Um, there was There was talk of an offer coming, but... Um, didn't they have to downsize a team? They did downsize. We downsized. There was three riders went to um, two, and then now it would have been three again, and put another guy in a 125 and keep me and Rick in the same class. Rick was Crushing. pretty much the man. Yeah. No, but Rick was winning the 250 class in Supercross. So yeah. um, I don't know how it played out behind, you know, closed doors, but it, it wasn't going to happen. And um, I can't remember who. Who did Honda bring in then in 88? George. George Holland came over and won the championship that year.
0: Outdoors. Yep,
3: huh. and and was okay in Supercross, but he was second rider to Rick. Um, anyway, to make a long story short, instead of uh, throw anybody under the bus or anything, I I mean I, the people that I rode for at Honda, the guys that I dealt with were great, yeah. and kind of let me know, hey, they, you know, go find some, you know, Honda's but, got a long history of making odd choices.
0: I mean, if you look at when they let Jeremy go over some pretty stupid stuff, they didn't keep Ricky on when he hurt his knee. Like, they've kind of made
1: some just head scratching choices that way. So, it's almost yeah. like they, they're looking into the future and they keep thinking, oh, we got to get the next best thing rather than hang on a second. We, we know what we're dealing with. We've got something solid. I don't know. That's, well, that's just my how, opinion. If I had, I mean, seeing how well you did in Europe,
0: Japan, you've shown you could ride a 250 in supercross. Can obviously ride outdoors if you can ride a 125 i imagine you transition to a 250 well you've they've seen you ride it it seems crazy to me they wouldn't have said let's bring mickey up it's an easy choice
3: um but honestly yeah, yeah. i don't yeah. know what what or why but um anyway you went uh, to yeah. yamaha yeah. uh yeah let's i ended up having a sort of a warm welcome over there and um And, uh, it started out really good over at Yamaha. Um, the bike itself was not so good, but, um, what I could bring over that I learned from Honda, I could, and they were open to me saying, Hey, this is what your bike needs. Yeah, You know? And, um, and we started that, you know, started a relationship like that. I didn't, I wasn't ever about like money, but I mean, I had I had good money, um, and sort of s- some things fell together. So the the appearance looked really good. You know, I got a, a deal with Answer, and and there was some good gear, yeah. and um, I was riding good, um, but I was not as consistent on the Yamaha. Um, I definitely had this desire to prove myself again. So I was kind of working hard again Mm -hmm. and trying to, to make the bike good. Um, We started out pretty strong. Um, Anaheim went, went well. I fell off once, but I still finished second. And I, I mean, it was all, it's like one of those nights I could have won if things just kind of lined up better, but uh, they didn't. And, It still started out okay, so we went on to the next round, and um, anyway, over three races, I'd finished no worse than a fourth. Um, And uh, then maybe there was some frustration, a little bit about okay, we can't can't get better. I'm not winning, and um, um, we started. We were doing some other stuff. Still you got during the week you'd go do something for outdoors and this yeah. or that. There was a comparison test and um I did a comparison out at uh LA County Raceway. Okay. And there was like there was the regular Yamaha crew that did endurance testing and they would be out there and, but we were gonna just do a little comparison between our race bike and 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 then they have a they have a Calway, a Honda and whatever. Okay. So the track we're riding we're doing laps and whatever, and, and when it was my turn to ride the Honda, I, I just wanted to show those guys it's a stock, beat up Honda, and I still can go a second, two seconds faster on it than your bike. And sort of, maybe I wasn't like you know, I was a bit of a, a punk. <laughs> okay. And in hindsight, I you know I wish I hadn't. I wish I had kept my head a little bit more and just kept kept on the program to try to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did that, and I ended up crashing and broke my hand. So I had a broken hand that, like, seemed like it took forever to get it back, you know? And, uh, you crashed riding the Honda, trying to push? Yeah.
1: <laughs> crashed riding Honda in front of the Yamaha people while you were at yeah. the Yamaha? And,
3: and, and, it, and it really set a tone for the rest of my, that year and the next for Yamaha, because they signed me again. Um, so we still had some potential, but... um. Um, a lot of the, I guess the the love of racing or whatever. I, I went through a period where I was like, I could take it or leave it. Kind of burned and, uh, out yeah. on it. Yeah. I had a like a falling out with my my passion for racing.
1: Yeah, that seems to happen to a lot of guys.
3: <laughs> Seriously, they go,
1: you win. You almost get used to that, and when things don't go well, there's this kind of that soft spot in your career where you go, oh man, like, what am I doing? The bike sucks. I don't like this. I've made my money. I've won. I think he, I don't know. I've seen it happen with a lot of guys and even, you know, even for me at times, it's, it's felt that way. I think a lot of guys,
0: there, there's a, a symptom called adrenal fatigue and I think a lot of guys suffer from it that don't even know they are but you just get kind of like, you know, you just, you're tired and you're just kind of over it. It's so much work Think of how, think of think of your proper, adrenal glands I've just ra- been as a diagnosed. racer. Yeah. You, you're constantly just full squirt on those adrenal glands. You yeah, know what man. I mean? Racing, riding day in, day out, you know, All right, I'm going into the set of whoops, fourth gear matted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, Yeah. You know, anyway, um, I think that's a pretty common story. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back here and finish this up with Mickey. Um, Break is brought to you by Troy Lee Designs. It's a beer break, so if it's an appropriate time where you are, enjoy a beer. We'll be back in a sec. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It is 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> I want to introduce you guys to PowerDot, a wireless muscle stim unit that is controlled by an app on your phone. It's incredibly simple. This is something I've used for a little over a year now to help with arm pump and nagging injuries, and I've had amazing results with it. They recently worked with Adam C. And Cirillo to help rehab his knee after surgery. He had an ACL replaced. And after talking to him, it's something he swears by. He's adamant that this is the one thing that got him back on the bike bike quicker and got him healthy. So if you have any muscle pain, any nagging injuries, or you want to recover the best way possible, head over to PowerDot.com forward slash whiskey throttle for a chance to win a free unit or get 20% off your next purchase. That's PowerDot.com forward slash whiskey throttle for 20% off and a chance to win. You can thank me later. (coughs)
4: Man his mistakes.
0: Too many in my <coughs> tray. All right, welcome back. That was the Troy Lee Designs beer break. Uh, check out troyleydesigns.com. Look at their premix 86 gear that's out. These shoes are coming out this weekend. Check those out. You can order those at Select TLD Dealers. That was uh, Sublime so with Rome, bringing us back in with sirens there for anybody that's wondering. And speaking of music... You were buddies with the Motley Crew guys, huh? Yeah, uh, I remember that, hearing stories that they would be hanging out. You'd go out and hang out with them. and uh, We
3: had some fun times. That had to be an actually. interesting. Yeah. Um, it was like maybe 88, but I, I, I'd gotten a couple of phone calls um, from Dave Arnold from Honda and said, I want, you know, this guy's trying to reach you. and... Um, so I I I met Tommy Lee and we met at a um, a race at Hangtown and I was that's when I had the broken hand from the Omaha time. Mm-hmm. So I but I was still at the race and um so we met there and um he's totally into motorcycles. Um we uh got to uh plan some rides and then we ended up doing some riding together and it was like super fun. He was, you like, know, I mean, he's basically like a kid on a motorcycle, you know. Yeah. So, um, but he tracked you down at Honda to, just to get a hold of you, yeah. Um, that's interesting, yeah. Well, <laughs> they calling Honda, Corporate. Weird, yeah. Yeah, I'm I trying
0: was... to get a hold of Mickey Diamond.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, what there was, there was some other things too, like there was somebody was calling my mom and it was, and we think or thought that it was a Nikki 6, but it was at a time where they weren't like, t- uh, maybe Nikki wasn't doing so good, mm. but I had Nikki on my helmet that Troy painted. Mm. And so we thought it was that, but um, uh, apparently, my, and my mom just, she talks as much as I do. So <laughs> I guess they would talk for an hour, you know? Like <laughs> she, at, she got 11, oh, you got away at night, yeah. Oh. Um, and she's like, "Oh, this just nice young man called, and you know, his name is Nicky Six, and I talked to him all night. I'm like, we're best friends now. I'm like, no. So, anyway, I met Tommy. We went, and he took in the national, and and then we kind of became sort of friends. So, yeah. um, uh, he lived at a place out in Woodland Hills, and it was like uh, we. We got him a motorcycle. Um, Mitch did a Honda for him. So we got him a good motorcycle that was maybe way too fast for him. Exactly what a beginner
0: uh, needs. I think that I heard this story. Did he come down to Pro Circuit to pick it up and Uh, then hopped on it and rode it down the street with a helmet?
3: I don't, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I heard this story and they were freaking out because he's just like down La Palma or whatever the main road was. Right. When
3: they were over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Yeah. And. Anyway, we ended up up at his place, and it was a a guarded, gated community. Each of the lots were huge, but there was only so many houses in them or in the neighborhood, and um, so we took the dirt bikes out, and (laughs) we made a track. It was like almost, and they had, after we made a nice, beautiful moto track that was like maybe eight foot wide and all brown, on the green grass. Oh my gosh! By the end of the day, you could look across and just—it was awesome. Yeah. And then we added pavement and did a, like a supermoto. It was it added was pavement. Awesome. Well, you make it seem like we're sitting in yeah. the yeah. corner, like, hey, no, you no, throw, no, throw some he, asphalt? Yeah. No, no. It was already pavement down, but yeah. we we threw a couple new sections of the the roads. It was super fun in and Woodland I Hills. It, man. And he—I can't remember who was with me. I mean, Matasevich might have gone uh manly definitely was there there was some other riders as well as you know heben my mechanic from okay. yamaha yeah. heben and uh it was just a lot of fun so yeah. we brought this element of fun for him that i i you know they were beside themselves was he a good like, enough rider God. that
0: he could he was able
3: to get around and
0: like yeah okay uh, he,
3: he wasn't you know gonna click a You know, third and hit a triple, but he was still—he was a good rider. Okay, he wasn't—he wasn't gonna hurt himself. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, We did stuff also, like we went and rode Harley's, and this is in this is in their
0: heyday. So uh, I can only imagine. I,
3: I think I got this tattoo. I was with him, and we were riding, and we were going like, believe it or not. I mean, it sounds maybe stupid now, but. We were riding strip club to strip club all through Hollywood and and Los Angeles on huh, our Harley. Sounds stupid. <laughs> sounds pretty normal. It was just, I was like, yeah. sounds good. And and he was very welcome. So I was just like Along for the ride. Along yeah. for the ride. And um anyway I ended up at a tattoo place where he's getting touch ups on some tattoos and, and he's like, You should get that tattoo and so I was like, Okay <laughs> So I ended up with this tattoo and then I was like then I like, I wanted tattoos all of a sudden. Um, uh, well, so, they say
1: once you get one,
3: then you yeah. get bit by the bug. I I know there's different ways people do tattoos, and a lot of people do, like, sleeves, and it's all combined. And, and then there's the other traditional way where you just get placements and yeah. certain types of tattoos. So you got to make a decision. There's too many decisions for me to make, so I, I just kind of – I've waited. If I decide <laughs> to have them again, I'll do it. But – Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun at that time and, um, I ended up doing a lot of traveling with him to see his shows. They, they had a big hiatus to, um, number one, take a break from one album to the next. Number two, to like sober up and start living a different life in a different, healthier way. Um, and I think we kind of both rubbed off on each other. To do both of those things, okay. Um, so, uh, a new sober lifestyle for him, and uh, this is Tommy. Yeah,
0: yeah. He was going pretty hard back at that point.
3: They had just, yeah. I think they got a show coming out on Netflix, The Dirt, and I'll, I will watch it for sure. But um, so will I. Yeah, <laughs> might make this story uh, make more yeah. sense to everything.
0: Well, I mean, they were.
3: I've, them and Van Halen
0: back then, there just wasn't two bigger <coughs> bands, I don't think.
3: I remember, like when I was in high school and kids just loving them, you know. And, and yeah. I didn't jump on so much in high school, but I, I loved music and I, and I was, I was a guy listening to it, you know, like you know before the race to get yeah. excited and you know. Um, so it's just kind of a lucky coincidence. Did you
0: get to be buddies then with all the guys in the band,
3: or was just kind of you and
0: Tommy were tight? And...
3: Um, me and Tommy. Yeah. I mean, I I met the other guys too. Other than Mick, yeah, I, mean, Nick. Your I never met Mick. Your mom's but... buddies
0: with Nicky Six, obviously. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I um... they go way back, like several hours ago. <laughs> yeah. And I have you know I, 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 I like Nicky's stuff. You know the the um, the new music that he makes, like uh, Six AM. His stuff, and I read his books. I mean, I, I read a lot, so yeah. um, I love that stuff. Um, I know that he's a great songwriter, and um, I mean, if if you can't appreciate like good songwriting, try to write a song. Yeah, you know? it's it's not easy. So it yeah. it I, I really kind of lucked into those relationships.
0: Do you still keep in touch with him?
3: Not really, but on occasion. I mean I think that picture was from like a nuclear cowboy show that you know we invite him to if we cross paths somewhere and he's somewhere I I'd like try to go see him yeah. but um like, most of the time it's I you know I I follow social media like everybody else so I mean I see what people are kind of doing Yeah um but um my relationships are you know I' have good relationships with so many people but I'm not in front of them very often yeah so um, it's like that
0: you're kind of you're kind of like uh, secluded up there in norcal doing your own thing is that by design
3: um, yeah yeah um, years ago I met um, like at morongo when we had the yeah. Morongo race I met a woman there coming out of a, like a like a long time, I had a divorce too, so, um, coming out of that, uh, I met a woman that was a cyclist that, that was not really meant to be, like, a love interest, but, like, I met a woman that, um, we shared cycling, and I wanted, you know, I was getting more serious about racing, and, um, I really sort of had this, this bug to cycle, and, um, and it turned into the race across America. It turned into a lot of things, but part of that was to move up north and train. Hmm. And um, is that where she's from? Yeah. Okay. And I was, so I went with her up there. We were doing a, um, Infineon, the supermoto race. Yeah. You are probably there. Yeah. Uh, and I stayed for a couple extra days. We bicycled, and and I ended up anyway. I ended up moving up there to. Focus on the race across America, but at the same time I was doing nuclear cowboys So I didn't have to be anywhere. Hmm. I just needed to get to the airport every week and and I was fine. So um, I moved up there for that reason and it is a great place and it's I, it's, I just love it up there. Yeah,
0: how <coughs> yeah. the pictures you post are amazing um, What was your what was your best party story with those guys? Uh, that you um, can tell
3: uh, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I, we never really did a bunch of like heavy partying. Cause he was trying to kind of taper it. Yeah. Down or, yeah. I mean, we did, we did other stuff that would be like, he'd be like a good time to like anybody that you'd go ride with, you know, yeah. we didn't, you know, maybe just riding around on the Harleys doing the strip joints yeah. and, and then eating burritos at three in the morning on the curb next to your bike or something, yeah. you know, th- th- those are fun. Yeah. Um, be around people that you know, and I did some. I got to to go to some cool shows. Yeah. Um, you know that I don't know if you ever recalled a a video that Sam Kinison did, where he's like rocking and like all these different musicians, like Billy Idol and Eddie Money and and Vince Neil and. Tommy's playing drums. Like, he did a video.
0: I didn't see it. I'll and to
3: look Tammy it Hahn, or what was her name? Jessica Hahn? The famous oh, uh, oral moment with yeah, Clinton yeah, yeah, type yeah. of person. That, oh. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, tell the story, uh, but it was a, Monica Lewinsky. Is that you talking about? N- no, but it was a similar situation, oh, but was, it, was, no, it was a different one. Bill, she wasn't, field, no, probably. she wasn't Phil or uh, Bill Clinton, she was uh, Swagger, uh, the 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 minister.
0: Oh, okay,
1: I remember that story. Yeah, I'm
3: sorry, I like it, it's. We funny. get it. Yeah, okay, start so,
1: started blending after a while.
3: So she's there, she's like the uh, protagonist in the video, and okay. um. Anyway, it, w- it was it was filmed at uh, Universal Studios, and and I just happened to be tagging along with Tommy. So um, that um, some videos that they like they did a, the whiskey, and we, we actually Troy painted him a helmet, and yeah. I and I delivered it to him in person at like while they were doing a video. Yeah, I'm um, filming a video, and um, and you're off sitting off in the sidelines with the wives, which. Isn't a bad place yeah. to be because yeah. you know who they are. Yeah. So we, I got to do some fun things yeah. with yeah. with Tommy, um, but they're not like they're not the kind that you know you you know I I don't have those types of experiences that you just won't, won't you'll go to your grave and keep it to yourself. We're we're way, way more like respectable than okay. that. So,
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. You were you were always big into poetry, music. Uh, I remember, which we're going to talk to your old mechanic Ron Heben later on in the show. But um, <laughs> uh, he would always make this joke that, "Oh yeah, it's going to be a good day. We got Jim Morrison's riding on the back with Mickey today," you know. Or he'd always make that joke. Um, where did that come from? I and mean, what can you what can you say about all that?
3: Um, well, Ron Heben is an amazing person, super good guy he was always wanted the best for me yeah. and wanted us to succeed. And, um, many times I, I like, uh, I regret not like following his lead on occasion. Um, great guy. And we had some great times and he got to know the, the good and the bad and the ugly of me. And, um, and it, and it's still we're still friends, and, and I actually messaged with him today because you asked me. Yeah. Um, and he did show up, and you know when I was honored at Anaheim a couple of years ago, he was there, and um, a selfless guy that just cares about you, you know. So um, um, always have a warm spot in my heart for for the guy, but uh, yeah, he's you know he's seen some some of the good moments and some of the bad ones, but, uh, um, yeah. You well, know. you kind of looked like
0: Morrison at one point. You had this flowing uh, manes of hair, and I could hi. see you walking around in leather pants and the whole night, and I don't know if that really happened, but you could
3: see it. I never owned any leather pants, but, I mean, Wire. I, uh, Super I like, leather. I like. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, the black suit. Yeah, but it was, a, it was a yeah. onesie. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just his pants. <laughs> it's different. Um... You know, Ron's Ron had to listen to the music and you know, I, I um you know, another guy that had to put up with me a lot was, was Dubak because we traveled together. So we'd be listening to this and I'd be like I'd be onto something and it would be that way twenty four hours a day for oh, yeah. for two weeks. Okay. We all so have that be one like friend yeah. and I was probably relentless and doors doors, doors. just defiant (laughs) yeah but um i think the first the first moment that i i i think i did a book report on i mean who does a book report on no one here gets out alive (laughs) yeah you know i did so (laughs) it just kind of escalated from there um Thank God they didn't have so much karaoke, you know. We Come on, Ron, we're going to karaoke tonight. <laughs> By the time they had it, we, I was too embarrassed to do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, Ron and I traveled together. Uh, sometimes we'd end up, you know, like you'd go back east to do a race, and then there, like the next weekend you'd go like Binghamton to somewhere nearby. So you'd stay. And you collect the per diem and you know whatever, and yeah. and you'd ride and train. Um, so I'd stay and we'd hang out, and I'd always do something to, like I'd be I'd be coming in when they'd be getting up, mm. something like that. That <laughs> happened. That happened often. So, like they didn't have the timing you know. clock. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it tracks your hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. He had to w- kind of witness that and do that.
0: You were always into, Were you always into music and poetry and just art like that from
3: a young yeah. age, or just sort of developed? I guess you know. Yeah. Um, I I am. I'm hot and cold on it. Um, I'd love to be able to just write poetry and and that be enough. Um, Who would have thought? Yeah. It's Mickey Diamond's dream. Well, you no, he came here
0: today. He, he yeah. you, you know, you brought up a, a poem. Oh, it reminds me of this poem about.
1: Well, you always yeah. say that there's always so- something about. No, someone not a lot you of writers quote
0: poetry as you know. It's interesting. I like it. Well,
1: not a lot of uh, writers are into poetry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not something
3: you would you would well, think straight off the bat. It's sad because a lot of them are. You know, they they're they poetry in motion. They 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 could get it mm-hmm. because it translates. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't. I don't uh focus like I'm not I'm hot and cold like I'll, I'll read a lot for a little while and then I won't and um, and I need to write another book and i'm I wait you me a little bit you say you'd need to yeah is that for you or do you literally have a contract that says you've got to write another no book? no no uh, for me <laughs> okay no no I have no <coughs> publisher, which by the way if there's anyone watching you could get a good deal here. Um, Stock's at an all-time low, but we're going to bump it up. I've had, you know, I've, I've, you know, the fact that I did write a book and I self-published it and all that is just, that's a miracle. Really, I don't even remember how I did it, you know. How I did it is a puzzle. Um, I would have to go back and like look at notes and start from, like I'd be almost starting from scratch, Mm. but... Um, I'm working on a story right now that I, that I want to give to Davey for publishing that'll sort of help the motocross course, but it's also a good interview and I haven't done an interview with anybody ever. So I did one with Rod Woodbury from, uh, or sorry, Woodruff from the Buffalo chip okay. and, um, and I I'm, I'm I need to finish it and, and get it to Davy, but um, I I like it and you know I I've read so many Rolling Stone interviews and and other things here and there, but uh, I think it's a really good one. And um, so I'm trying to do more. Um, I would love to write more. I'm really horrible at spelling words or grammar, I'm like the worst. If you buy my book, you're gonna have to look past it right now (laughs) until I get it fully edited, which by the way, my my friend um, uh, Vic Armio is gonna give it a run through and, and we'll republish it in a, with an additional 25, 30 pages in it that'll be more like a bio, so you know who I am before you start reading.
0: Well, speaking of the book, let's let's bring it up. How Legends of the Road? You wrote this uh, about your about the race across America, um, and you've done it not once but twice. Why? What what drove drove you to do that? <laughs> what drives? And me then that? what would drive you to do it again? <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> it's crazy. Well, the first one, I I actually I took a job because of my girlfriend Brenda. I took a job. Um, sort of being a crossover athlete from motorcycle world, they believed that I could um, host a series of, of small videos that promoted the race across America. Um, I, I, I talked to them, and then I started reading. I, I read some things. I saw some films. Um, there was a great book that was called... Um, um, Uh, I'm drawing a blank. But there was a great book that I read that had this great story. Um, Amy Schneider wrote the book. Um, I think it's called Hell on Wheels. And it covered a 2009 Race Across America solo. And I, I read this book and just kind of fell in love with the idea of doing it and experiencing it. But at the same time, these guys offer me this job, I'm gonna follow the race, I'm gonna interview athletes, racers, teams, solos, and learn about this race, and then the following year, I would take it on and ride solo. Mm. Um, in case you have no idea, like I did, um, riding 3,000 miles across the country isn't something that you can just you train for a year and be ready to do. It's a, a lifetime of things that you did. So, if you're a retired triathlete or a marathoner, a cyclist, the Tour de France guy, you have a good, you you have a good start, but it's still, <laughs> it's a non-stop, 3,000 mile, like, sleep-deprived.
0: When they say human, non-stop
3: yeah. as a solo, surely you stop to sleep. That's it. Okay. But the clock doesn't. Yeah. So while you're sleeping yeah. you're losing time you, you wouldn't even be able to sleep cuz you'd be like oh the, i'm sure
0: there's other yeah. guys pedaling i need to Well like i think at some go. point
3: you don't have a choice you get off the bike and you just yeah if you can fall asleep i think a lot of times well there's a lot of different ways to do it and 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 i implore you if you're listening go look at it google it just go look at it it'll inspire you and and excite you to just believe that just to know that there is an event that exists on the planet that is like this. And well,
0: or get the book, Legends of the Road. Yes, yeah.
3: read about it and. Look past the grammar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy the story. It's big, big, bold letters. I can't see very good. So.
1: Well, so the first. No, I, I was looking at it earlier. I'm like, oh, I could read this. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs>
3: Bigger writing and pictures.
1: Yeah. Is this I from the race? It, yeah. Is
2: this photo from the race?
3: Yeah. Uh, no. Th- this is actually, um, this was 2000. 2000- Seventeen. I ended up doing another race with a four-man team. And this is myself on the right, David Bailey to my, actually to my right, Wardy to his right, and Doug Henry to his right. And we did another race in 2017. And Doug <coughs> and, and David are both on hand cycles from motorcycle injuries. Um, we are all motorcycle racers, and we took it on. Um, we had an amazing race. Uh, we did not win because we had we had gotten a couple penalties. Our first penalty started at the start line because we weren't in the like the staging area because we had Dan Gurney with us who built those two hand cycles. Not those two, but the hand cycles that they used, and they were um, we we had it was Dan Gurney. He passed away the same year, and so we don't have Dan Gurney now. But we had this project, and Dan Gurney built their hand cycles, and it's another one of those things when you're when you surround yourself with people like that, you 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 experience life, and 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 magical things happen, and that's I've always kind of been the lucky person that kind of experienced some of these things, so. Um We ended up losing the overall to our age group by like an hour and a half, and we had three hours of penalties, so we would have won basically mm-hmm. against regular cyclists, not just not not just mixed teams it, are would, the
0: are the hand cycles
3: uh, and I, if, if this is a stupid question, forgive me, but is it like a big disadvantage um well, if you can imagine like riding a bike across America and doing it with your hands instead. <laughs> Pedaling with well, your hands. I just don't know if this Man, is they are no they're they're two hands and they're they're doing this. And David I guess
0: your your legs are a bigger muscle so oh, yeah. it makes sense that that would be easier. Yeah this and <coughs> this, although this. Bailey's arms these days are like legs.
3: They're so Jeez strong. God. And David's, I've seen him at times and it's like Dude. Yeah. Same with Doug. I mean yeah. My arms, my arms are like you know, I have little bicycle <laughs> yeah. arms, and, and yeah, and and Dave would always compliment me on my legs, yeah. and I'd be like, you know, I'll trade but, you your legs for yeah, legs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can see um, your legs, you can see Wardy's legs. Yeah, Wardy's legs. <laughs> are, we know are, Wardy's yeah. an animal. Yeah. Well, actually,
1: when I look at all four of these guys, I mean, you're all honestly like, I, I say the word animal just because. You use that as people that just just go and go and go and they're just yeah. gnarly. All four, of you guys, just have no quit in you.
0: I mean, you, you wouldn't uh, do this race if you did.
1: And, well, I mean, it takes
0: a certain type of person. I would die in this race. In the end, so, I don't think I'm built for it either. Yeah. We did. I'd be in the bus
1: making sandwiches for you guys. Yeah, well, and I'd be in the party bus. Yeah. So <laughs> if any of you,
3: one of you, want to tap out, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we That'll, had we oh, had the had, chaser.
3: Sorry, we had a good race this year and. Um, we did a, I believe, sixteen point three mile an hour average. That's so quick. when you That's when you crazy. go out for a bicycle ride and you, and you, you and plus you climb hundred and seventy thousand feet. Jeez. Yeah, In Wardy, this race.
0: Wardy. told me a little bit about going up the Rockies and all that whole segment and just like
1: you can't prepare for that. No, you could try your damnedness, but there's no <laughs> way you could prepare for that. I mean, mentally, physically, the whole night. What was the second penalty?
3: Uh, we had um, a we had a couple. Um, I think if we we had gotten one more, they would have booted us out. We had yeah. th- maybe three. The second one was me riding where there was a there was road construction, and they they make update they put updates on like a on an email chain or a text mm. chain, and if you don't get it and you don't see it. And you get caught, you, you get a penalty. So I was riding in, a, in an area that had road construction, but you see road construction all the time. They just pick They wanted ones. you to go around somewhere? Yeah. Oh. And then maybe some... Uh, because you're sharing a, a road with vehicles that, that you're protecting your rider, so your follow vehicle may be blocking and impeding traffic... And they can make a judgment to give oh, you a penalty. Oh, I heard about oh. that one. So you're you're supposed to leapfrog your rider, but there was times when we're just like, take the penalty. You know, we're not going to leave him out here in the rain and in right. the dark on this road with all this traffic here. So we 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 um we had some penalties that we had to serve about halfway through, and we just sat. Um, we got lost a few times. Um, you you go from. I mean, I th- I had heat exhaustion or like heat stroke, and so I had like I had to use the bathroom, and it would be like you'd be riding through, you know, like you'd be riding through like the state capital, like where they're they have, and you I would have to pull over and just take a dump and get back and pedal, <laughs> and there was no you, I mean you've been there path, right? <laughs> you can't hold it in you yeah. just you're a victim of your condition, but I mean, the idea is you just keep moving. Yeah. So, um, we've all, we all had problems. you had to burn a sock in that move or what? Uh, I
0: can't,
3: re- I can't <laughs> Scoot
0: recall, it on the grass I, like a duck. No, yeah. but that tree is doing very well these days.
3: <laughs> it is blooming. Um, there's more to it than that. Yeah. And there's stories that could go on. You could tell a story f- about each, each yeah, shift you sure. did. I'm sure. Um, but uh, David and I became one team. Doug and Jeff became the other team, and we would switch out. In the beginning, we were trying to do five-hour or like hundred-ish mile segments, and um, each time that you ride, we would rotate like every twenty minutes. Yeah. So David would ride. I would get up the road. We would do an exchange. David would ride in the car. I would pedal and we'd switch out, and then it would, we'd have a team transition, and then, then Doug and Jeff would do the same. Um, We went all the way through, it's like, you know, you don't know even know what day it is, but, you know, I tell you right now that the finishing state of Maryland is the longest ride of your life, because it may look like 300 miles when you start up in the morning, but it's a long ass 300 miles, and by the time you're done, you're just like, I can't, where, where's the finish? You know, yeah.
0: it's the finish line's up there. I can't imagine what, what you're dealing with from blisters to chafing to like, God only knows, saddle what sores. Yes. Well, like you yes. said, sores heat exhaustion. I mean, you, you're dealing yeah. with so many things. Not even knowing where you're at, probably
3: at times. <laughs> and
0: I followed this one pretty closely that year because uh, my fire department had a team in it. Yes. Fire and, Villa. I, and, I,
3: and I helped your guy. I can't think of the name right now, but he's a great guy. They were great, and we saw them throughout the race. Did you? They, yeah. they beat us. They were, like, just up ahead of us, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, they, they – uh, I was stoked to – I was watching both you guys, so it was fun to watch. Yeah, I, they, uh,
3: they had a good send-off and a lot of support. Yeah. Um, I saw them – we saw them pretty much to the end, you know. Yeah. We knew where they were. Yeah. Um, and they did good. They, uh, they've, they, they've, they experienced – ram just like everybody else, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you hate it. You love it. You hate it. And, and it's tough. The other, the other one I did was, I mean, we, the first one I did was, um, almost at a 23 mile an hour average speed. And we didn't break the record, but we were close. And we had a, a dog fight with another team of like very experienced and good, uh, local, uh, cyclists, yeah, um, much younger than us. Even though some of them, in their prime, they w- would have been probably even better. But they were, they were gnarly, and um, and I did it with um, Dave Mira, Dave Zabriskie, who was a phenomenal cyclist and and guy, and Ben Bostrom, the road racer. Yep. And we named ourselves the Legends of the Road, and that's where it began. And it was Dave Mira's idea. Um, that one was uh, was way more serious. It, it and it hurt me a lot more. I mean, we did we did three thousand plus miles in five, a little over five days, and <laughs> oh, and um, and it was it was like it was it was you suffered every every shift, hmm. and and we were doing fifteen minutes. And changing, So we would keep speed.
0: Super high intensity then.
3: In the mountains, we were doing a mile at a time. So you could keep, we tried to do like, I mean, if you can, if you go ride your bike and go in the hills and try to do 14 miles an hour. <laughs> and uh. and it's, it's, for me, it's like virtually impossible. I could start, I could do that, you know. 100 feet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like uh, yeah, but we were, we tried, we toned it down so we would do miles. And then when we got over the top, then it's like, okay, I got the next 20, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you just sit yeah. back and you do the... I get this whole downhill,
1: <laughs> You do this, the same 20 on the way back. <laughs> yeah. Did you
0: see anything back then that would have let
3: you to believe that Mira would do what he did? Uh, no, but uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that we live, we, we lead, or maybe the way that Hughes said, it's like we die twice. And I think in the book, I talk about how we live twice. You know, We have two lives. We have the one we had, And then the one we take from there Um, and all of us, like in this book, it talks about how all of us, you know, because Mira, um, Bostrom and Zabriskie, we were, and myself, we were all retired from our racing careers Mm -hmm. and, um, but still everybody was pretty active and, and we had a chance to do something kind of special and, um, uh, we, you know, I, I got to know Mira quite quite a little bit from having him out at my house, and we trained, and um, um, I did work with him on um, the Boom Boom Huck Jam, yeah. you know, a show yeah. I did years I ago. And um, and then through X Games, I've, I've, I watched him. Um, if I didn't see it coming, yeah. um, we laughed a lot. We we. We trained hard. I mean, you you trained hard with that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, All those guys were a different level, you know, for me. And I was a different person when I raced than when I was on the cycling project. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I had the head that I had when I did that when I was racing because I would have won many more championships in a lot of races. But I didn't. You know, I wasn't that person then. So... When I got to be that person, I got to experience a a lot of different things, and I still am. Mm -hmm. Um, But number one is the people that I've gotten to know, and um, those are the things that that make everything worthwhile, and um, I, you know, I hear that as a cliche, well, it's the people that really count, you know, they make it good, and you know people make things good, and they make them bad, it's all the same, but the things that keep us interested in doing stuff is like those relationships that we have, you know, do while you're doing these things. Yeah. And, um, like the bond that we made with each other going across Is I mean, I hardly know as a brisky, but, um, but I love the guy, you know, like I've, when I do see him, it's like, we're yeah. like brothers and yeah, you've experienced so something. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's life changing. Yeah, it literally yeah, is. Yeah. It's it, an it, it makes you Yeah, it it sets in a place where I think people the average person may not really understand that. Yeah. Unless you've been through something that life changing.
3: Yeah. Um
0: and, I, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about your you, you did, went and did some GPs for a while too, right? At the end of
3: your career? Yeah.
0: So after Yamaha, is that was that kind of the end over here?
3: Uh, yes. I um I stopped racing for Yamaha, and at one point I started to, with with some people in with Motley Crew actually as a main sponsor, put together a team. Um, Troy mocked up a drawing that was a big rig before big rigs. We tried to present something and and have a a sponsor that got all the uh, factories excited. So I think we had a couple people that were like waiting to see what we would do. But the big one was Motley Crue. If Motley Crue put their name on it, then we would get Ford. We would get um, Kawasaki. There was, and and people probably deny that nowadays, but there was some good things that were possible and um, it didn't come together. And so I was kind of done. I think I, I, I was at a Cowey's track and I, I broke something. I I don't know if it was my wrist, my arm, or something. I broke something, and it, like, okay, well, we could still work on this and put a team together, but nobody was interested anymore. Yeah. So um, that went away. And then uh, I don't know when, but, like, at the end of the year, I got an offer to go do a race in Bologna, um, a Supercross, which I gave you a photo yeah. from. And um and Larry Ward were there, and I think I led 18 of the 20 laps or whatever, and so they are like, we want you to come and race GPs, and I didn't have anything. And um, so I went over in 1991 to um, ride on an Italian team called Belgarde Yamaha. I remember them. Yeah, Um, and I worked with a guy named Martino Bianchi. He was my team manager. Now he manages... The Honda off road team or Perry Dakar yeah, team. Yeah, it used to be
1: Martin Honda.
3: Oh, well, not, the, he was the next. Oh, year. is that different? Yeah, that's a different. Oh, okay. Guy. Yeah. <coughs> but I, I ended up running for Martine the next year. Um, okay. And that was Trampas Parker. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one kind of imploded halfway through and I flew home. So. That was 92? That was 92. The, the, so that I was th-
1: also when the Italians had a very bad rep of paying bills. Yeah. I remember that when yeah. I went to, to Europe, everyone's like, oh, you're. Italian sponsor, you might want to get that money up front.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so like, it's funny. I, like Bowery, I, I I wore their helmet. I, I never got paid.
1: Really? Yeah. Somebody might of have, that. but it
3: never got to me. Yeah.
0: Uh, we bought one of your, I don't know if you know this, a guy from my fire department bought your old bike. I think I called you about it. Yeah, yeah. It was a 92 CR250 that you used over here while you were racing the GPs. I think you said you did some supercrosses or something that year
3: here? Uh, yeah. Um, we did, like yeah. Trampas and I, Did maybe the first five. Okay. One of them I had a chance to, I think I had a chance to be on the podium at Anaheim on one of them, like third. And uh, maybe Larry Ward and I had a crash together, and that's why I didn't. Uh But uh, maybe if you have him on. Well, this guy worked for your dad, Diamond Construction. And bought yeah, he bought bikes. one of those bikes? he
0: bought one of your old bikes, and he passed it around. He got passed around like a town bicycle through our department. It was owned by four different, five different firemen. And I saw it, uh, bought it from another friend, from a friend there. And on the pink slip, it says Mickey Diamond. And I'm like, huh? he goes, yeah, word is it's Mickey's bike. I don't know. <laughs> I'm
1: like, no shit. It's what like, is it on the title? Yeah. Well, like, you know,
0: he didn't know if it was the Mickey Diamond, so... It was, a, it, was
1: it was a
3: 90... a diamonds are spelled with a Y? 92. Yeah. CRT50.
0: Yep. S- frame was
3: stretched. <laughs> yeah, they they did, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, there it is. Metal so We fatigue. got a picture right here. Yeah. So this is... We built it up and put it uh, in race well, It in looks good X. now. Well, that was after a yeah. lot of work. It's got a unique and, look uh, to it.
1: See the gap yeah. between the seat and the tank? I think it still gives it away a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe. They usually
1: butt... The, the foot peg, gap.
0: the foot peg holes were so wallowed out. We had to just weld them shut and re-drill them. Uh, <laughs> uh, you,
4: know. you know,
3: I remember <coughs> like the first Jan- Grand Prix. I I had a jump and I had the whole shot, and I I knew I had the whole shot, but it was a it was a long start, and it was a you know Namur. Num- yeah. So it was a long sandy. Center, no. yeah. And then it went like this. No, 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 wasn't no, wasn't Namur. It was. It was another. Namur had race. a 180. Yeah. And oh, Valkenswaard. Yeah. The, had
1: the little fast sweeper, yeah. it, little yeah. chicane. Yeah. And yeah. It was fast. Yeah.
3: But a long straight. Yeah. Sandy. sandy. Yeah. I got a jump, and I had such a big start. I like took my hand off the handlebars, and I was like, like, you yeah, know, I got this. And and then all the other fast bikes passed me going into the <laughs> chicane. I was like, our bike is not fast. Oh, and that man. was when I realized this bike is not fast. After the race, he's like, "No, no, no. I was telling him there was a <laughs> yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brakes were binding. Like, I need more I power." Think, yeah.
0: That's what I was saying.
3: Release, um, release the anchor.
0: So, okay, that that kind of so you ended your career in Europe. After that, you just sort of said, "All right, I'm I'm done." Uh, uh, how did you kind of close the chapter of you know professional I think, racing? I
3: think I came home and decided I was finished. Okay, so um, uh took maybe three years and I I went and worked for my dad, construction work. I did a little bit of everything. Um, had no, no schooling, no skills, no diploma. Was it a tough, tough time for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have anything going on, but I, uh, I had kids. Um, my first child was born in 92 and I was Hunter and, um, so I had to do something. So I tried to make a living, make ends meet. My wife at the time was a court reporter, so she she was doing okay. Um, but after Hunter was born, it was up to me, and I tried to do this or that. Um, bounced around. Um, we we sold, I sold properties because at the end of racing, I didn't have any money to keep paying for what I'd already purchased, so and by chance most everything i had was real estate and the real estate market really wasn't all that great so oh, really i um i took it in the shorts on a few things but uh um did the best i could for those next 3 or 4 years um and then um maybe 95 i um i i'd kind of been around racing i watched it i um had friends that were like Jamie, Jamie because uh-huh. I met him while I was over in Europe. Uh-huh. He told me, "He goes, take my bike and just, just ride, ride the vet race." You know, there's a vet race. You know, so at, at Glen Helen, I took his bike, and I rode a couple times, and I was like, wow, "That was pretty fun." And then, then it was like my kids were like, we were watching like Crusty Demons of Dirt. My kids liked it. They were like, <laughs> "Do you want to?" You, you know, somehow. I decided I would go and try to qualify for a race and so um I think we did uh maybe Anaheim. I didn't qualify. Maybe San Diego. I can't remember what I did, but uh I did a couple of supercrosses that showed up and, and rode like on a FMF Jeez. Cowie and um and then it was seem like okay, we're gonna get back into racing and my kids start riding. Um, that lasted just a little while. And then um, all those, the, the the crusty films, you know, kids wanted, oh, so my buddy Brian Manley, who he would call and say, yeah, we're going to go out and film. And I'm like, cool, I'll see you there. And then I wouldn't go. And um, finally I, I went out and, it, and like I had fun yeah. the first few times. And then, uh, um now uh, one thing led to another, and I I, I was, uh, I was really distracted, bored, discouraged, depressed, whatever, and I started not caring about what I did and myself. So um, I ended up taking that like you know that road into a little bit of drug use and you know and, and maybe substance abuse for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: was that that whole Nicholson crowd?
3: Maybe not a good influence uh, on you because those guys partied pretty hard. Well, I, well, it wasn't just them, but yeah, um, there was there was there. Let's put it this way: there was plenty of people to to go hang out yeah. with, and um, it wasn't even really them. There was other people in my life that that were were always there. I knew that were there, but I didn't take advantage of it, and I never went there. You know, like I never. I never tasted the punch, yeah. so so to speak. But I started to like. I caved and I started to to dabble, and dabble became a little more serious. And um, you know, I, I would I would you know, it wasn't any different than anybody else has to go through sometimes. But um, um had highs and lows. I had some real lows because I just didn't care yeah. about myself. I smoked. I drank. Yeah. I didn't work out or, you know, I, I just didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't follow a good, healthy lifestyle. Bottom line, I didn't care about myself. So when that when that happened, um, you know, the next handful of years were, were always graced with, like I always, you know, like for some reason, God always graced me with stuff. So um, I had opportunities and even while I was doing the, the, you know, abusing myself with with whatever substance was available, I still had work, I still could yeah. ride. Um, pretty much was pretty, I don't know, in, influential with the birth and the start of freestyle yeah. motocross. Yeah. All the while, while I was medicating and... Yeah. I Like, you know, I, I ran into you in Hawaii through that time because I was just on an errand with maybe it was uh, LBZ or somebody. Yeah. But
0: yeah. Hawaii did a race every, uh, it was an end-of-season race in September every year in Kauai. I remember that one. Yeah. And I would go over there. The promoter was a friend of mine. And I remember coming out of the airport to baggage claim, and there's a dude, like, literally curled up in the corner outside it's like an outdoor area thing. he's just curled up in a ball and I as I'm walking out I, it's you yeah and I'm like holy shit that's Mickey yeah and like it was awkward like I'm like I didn't want to come over and yeah say I thought well maybe uh, he's just yes. hung over and they were partying I, I don't know but it like you know what I mean? that was Since the start of, of
3: that was the start of the trip probably yeah.
0: yeah no that was the way in
3: yeah so that was my way to sober up like when I would go and I and I did some films where I I did some stuff in films that, that uh, some of those videos that I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wouldn't have done, but I probably would have done a lot better yeah. if I was sober. There's and, a clip that just dropped somewhere. Maybe Pete
0: Fox posted it of you jumping some dune over a over a gap, and you landed and just blew oh, up uh,
3: in Mexico. Is and that uh, where it was? I, I posted that too. I, like I've seen it. Or Maybe it was you. Posted it was it. in a film called Thousand Mile Jump, and it was. Manly showed up at my house in the morning and I was still drinking. Uh-huh. And, and um, he goes, come on, let's go. And, uh, so it was my trip and I sobered up during the trip. And, Did you get hurt on that? Uh, no, but I could have. You know, I should have. Yeah, If I would have shorted it, I would have been hurt badly. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I apologize. And anybody out there that's, that I ran into during those years, I... I'm embarrassed and have moved on. I hope you guys have too. So I apologize if I was offensive to anybody. Yeah, Yeah, no, I've let those things go. No, I'm cool. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we didn't run into each other. No, that's right. right. You transitioned
0: out of that into uh, doing the Nuclear Cowboys stuff. That was kind of your next big venture.
3: uh, You know, I went all the way through some of the freestyle, the beginning and the, the shows, the MTV stuff. And then into, um, the Boom Boom Huck Jam. Okay. And I started that with, with, uh, Carl Harris, a good friend of mine who always looked past my, my, my challenges and, and gave me work. And, um, so I did the motorcycle portion of the, the Huck Jam and, and helped build the ramps and tested all that stuff. And, and, um, so I had a home and, um. Did that year, was still on the comeback, did a couple of uh, MTV events where we did uh, like sports and music festival, and, and I was um, cleaning up and back to, to functioning normal. And, um, and then that parlayed into Supermoto.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right.
3: So, Supermoto came but, around. But
0: you were building ramps. You were kind of one of the pioneers of building ramps and getting those pitches right. And yes. then a lot of those, those events like you're talking about. And then the Nuclear Cowboys, or did that come after Supermoto?
3: The Nuclear Cowboys came after Supermoto, but okay. the, the Huck Jam came from Freestyle. And this, um, this was one of the photos uh, that, I wanted to talk about. That's um, an after. That's a, that's a good period of time. That's Tommy Lee, myself, Mike Sinkmars. Yep. Rest in Peace, and de- Deegan. Uh, Deegan, and then Redman. And we did a sports and music festival that was a team race. Ron Cotta was in it too, but he's not in the photo. Um, but we did a team race, and it was a lot of fun. And it and it went a long way, and it was great for TV. And it was the maybe the third one we did. The one after that, Sink Mars jumped over his house. And I remember and that. I, and I built the ramp for that, but... Uh, um. Couldn't be there when he jumped. It couldn't be there for a couple jumps that he did, but I helped him with his jumps and Carl Harris. But, um, yeah, those are those fell before. This is before the Boom Boom Huck Jam. Okay. Um, that might have started shortly after that. But when that started, it was more serious. We were part of a crew that had a big, ambitious... Tour mm-hmm. and it was a tour unlike anything that i 'd ever done. It was a real tour that you you were on tour buses and you went you sat up, you broke down, you ran you know you did show call, and I learned how to to do that stuff mm-hmm. and um, that turned into more work in the staging world with all access, who yeah. actually built everything that I did and this is well, yeah this this is this, this year 's that's, Super Bowl. That's underneath Adam Levine during the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I've done the Super Bowl stage now for four years, I guess, with All Access. Yeah. Um, and I'm part of a real special crew of guys that um, have all different roles. But in the end, we all kind of work together to, um, to build everything, to make it work to make everybody else's stuff work on it. So ours might be the carts and the, the heavy equipment that all the shiny, cool stuff sits on, mm-hmm. but ours is really important, yeah. and and we construct it. We put it together in a very timely fashion with a lot of people's help. Yeah. Like, we have five minutes' time, basically, to, to build everything, plug it all in, get it all lit up, and get the performers on it, and turn it on and go.
1: And, yeah, then you you, got, and then you've got to take
3: it out pretty much yeah. just as quickly. It's yes.
0: impressive. I mean, the, the size and scope of this, like you mentioned,
1: in a, in a five-minute window. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Like yeah. the rehearsals and all that is going to be pretty impressive. I, I, I remember All Access and, and you from Supermoto days. I remember yeah. in the parking lot, nice metal jump. They always had the All Access sign next yeah. to it.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah. We did a lot of... Um, th- the beginning of Supermoto, we proposed... Um, like sort of a turnkey setup, so we could go set up anywhere, and we built some ramps that were more. They weren't so much as like just put a jump. You know, we did. We put them on a straightaway too. But if you had a, a parking lot that had dual levels, it they you could step branch up, stuff together yeah, step without down. Yeah, it's yeah seamless. And, I remember that, and it was cool. So yeah. um, I ended up putting that together during the time that we were planning. Year two of Tony Hawk's and Tony Hawk's Huck Jam, and so I I quit working for Tony Hawk and I started Full-time. doing the team yeah. and doing the events.
0: And and this is the Queen Mary, you said, right?
3: Yeah, that's at the Queen yeah. Mary. Are oh like yes, the that's two thousand yeah. The last race of the year, um, I was defending Unlimited Champion, and it was our home race because. All access is just across the bay from the Long Beach, Queen Mary. Yeah. And um, it was great because all the people that, like, supported it and knew that we had a race team but just worked, and the people I worked with, who I still work with, got to come to the race and see us as a a winning racing team. Did you win that day? I won that day. I won
0: the 250 class that day. Yeah, it
3: was a good day. That was great. It was an awesome track, too.
0: That was... That was what Supermoto should have been. Like. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was tough to duplicate. I don't think, Troy, I think they lost some money yeah. making this happen.
1: Yeah, um, Supermoto was at the wrong place at the wrong time in America. It was right when it got its strength, the recession happened. Yeah. And it was one of the first things that manufacturers trimmed the well, fat on. And there
0: was some mismanagement, too, because Red Bull was really behind it at first. And then... People started getting
1: a little greedy and cocky. I felt like there were too many promoters trying to do different things at different times rather than... Working together and having yeah more it, unified. It just didn't
0: come together, but it was fun those few years, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: That was like
1: uh... hey, we're both Supermoto Unlimited champs. Yes, we are. Yeah. yeah. I got second. Hey, we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Hey, I have a VET thirty-five Supermoto championship.
0: No one gives a shit.
3: That's that's huge now. <laughs> Ouch. Word has got one. He's bringing the heat.
0: <laughs> All right, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about this photo here. This was one you you sent us. You and Glover. Um, to me, this is like, one, those Yamahas were so cool looking. That JT gear and that JT helmet and his helmet, was so cool looking. And your, your gear is rad. I mean, he even cut these numbers by hand, I remember him telling me. Yeah. Uh, just a cool looking photo, man.
3: This is at Southwick. And it used to be the, the corner before you, you dropped down and then went across the finish line. Okay. And um, I was, I, I mean, it's, this is the way I remember it. Brock might disagree, but I was passing Brock in this corner, and, and if you look close, if you zoom in, you can see that I'm laughing, and I, I can't remember why, but there was something <laughs> that was going on between us that we were just kind of, I was laughing. I figured he was too. So um, anyway, I made the pass, and um, I had a pretty good race with, uh, with Johnny O., okay in 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 the race too um but I went over to Yamaha and I I didn't know Brock hardly at all I I had a few moments with him as you know as a Honda rider he was pretty cool to me I I thought the world of him because when I was younger I like I I went as a kid when they had two days at the LA Coliseum and he won one of the days and he was awesome so um and it, it was it was Brock Glover, you yeah. know. It's so. a golden boy. Golden boy, yeah. yeah. He was supposed to be, like, arrogant and offensive and just cool. But it was okay. You know, I kind of figured that's what he was like. But yeah. he wasn't. He's a super cool guy. And, I mean, a lot of people have different um, experiences with different people. But um, when I went over to Yamaha, we would have all those test days. And when I got frustrated, I was kind of a... I'd get frustrated. and I was like, you know, I was sort of a not a hothead. I wasn't mean to people, but I, would, I was just vocal and animated. Okay. And he used to love that. So he would be like, I've been telling him that for years. <laughs> <laughs> and we we would we would share a ride or something, or he'd come over and like he'd have to take a shower. He'd stop at my house, and then we would talk for a little bit. And then, but he was always. He was always kind of cool like that. Like we would have moments that we were like it, we were brethren, you yeah, know. We, yeah. we knew and and they didn't type of thing. And um, I still have like a like when I see him like there's you see people and you just have you're just always going to be okay, you know. And it's always going to be good to see them. And um, and he's that he's one of those guys. And I, I liked. What he did at Yamaha and winning as much as he did, and and I seen him race David, and him and David on, and David was like, David's driving a Ferrari, and and Brock is driving a, like a station a, a Pinto, yeah. <laughs> and 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 he's still fighting, and he would fight, and, he, and but it was good, and and even you know in their moments when they had collisions, and it was like it was. Brock was just gonna. I'm just gonna get in your way. You're not gonna win. I'm just gonna block you. Fighting like that. I just. I've always loved that. And then knowing David and he and I talking and him telling stories about how Brock used to yell at him. He could hear him. He and and he wouldn't be. Under yelling, the helmet. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't be yelling things like. Get out of my way! He'd be yelling like. I knew you were coming. You know, like you're on that work <laughs> bike. To it. Like yeah. it's about time you passed me on that. You know, while I beat myself up, but uh, I. <laughs> and I always like this picture because it, like, I could see that, like, that I'm, I, you know, I kind of remembered laughing. I, I don't remember what moment I figured out that oh, I was laughing in that photo, but it was when the photo came out that I was like, oh, I remember that, you know, and then you yeah. put it together, so.
0: He was probably yelling at you.
3: Who's like his star? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are <laughs> those <laughs> upside down forks working? Because I had yeah. him, he didn't. Oh, all right. It's about time. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's funny, man.
3: And we both look good right there. It's and just One shot. of the best shots yeah. of the Amahas. Who took it, you know? I don't know. I've, I've stolen it and uh, used it yeah. many times.
0: Uh, it's, yeah. it's a rad shot. Um, And that's your TLD helmet right there.
3: Yeah, that's one of the coolest ones. I think David's mom had that one. I think David still has it. Bailey? Yeah. Oh, yeah? I give, like, you know what? That's a bummer. I, I gave everything away, so I don't really have many things from my racing past. People, people ask you for jerseys and you, like if even if i had one it would wouldn't be worth they were cotton t-shirts yeah yeah you know so yeah. and with the with the print on it
1: yeah it wasn't like no it wasn't laser like, yeah. well, well, was laser like, pressed yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, i was going to say now that's
3: even more now you
0: know well i got rid of I, at some point
1: it's it's overwhelming
0: yeah i would just, i got rid of everything except my helmets that's the one thing i yeah. kept and i kept them because troy painted them all. Yeah, And I thought, those are art. Like, I, I'm not giving those away. They got my name and number on them. What, what good is they going to do someone else? Like, I'm just going to keep them all. And now it's, my wife I, laughs at me because I, I treat them like they're fine china, but I keep them. Well, they are.
3: Yeah. Dude, look at how, fine look china. Look at how young you are here. This this picture is 1986, and it's after the Paris Supercross. That guy next to me is Michael Moreau, and I will go in... Um, In September, late, well, early September, I'll be in France to do the Moreau Memorial. He passed away, I want to say it was like 12 years ago, maybe 13. But um, they've had a memorial. His wife, um, who puts it on, she invites me pretty much every year. I've done two of them now. This will be the third one.
0: The motocross race, or what is
3: it? It's like a vintage memorial for this 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 guy, and okay. um, they treated me great when I was over there, mm. and you you go, you fly in, you do the race, you collect the money, and get the trophy, or whatever, and, and we kind of like, we, in the old days, we would be like the Norsemen. we'd come in, we'd just rape and pillage, and burn the town down, and then move on <laughs> to the next one, Yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes, and, at some point I ended up saying, you know what? It's the right thing to do. And the first time I committed to it, I didn't have much money. I I was busy and, but I'd already told her I would fly. So they already paid for the tickets. And I, I went like kind of kicking myself that I, I committed to it. Um, And I just couldn't bring myself to, to, to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so glad I didn't because I went and it was like a, better experience than I, you know, it was like one of those things like, okay, God just got to show you like, okay, this is what life's about. You know, when you have a chance to do something good, Mm. you take it and you're happy that you got it. You know, so um, anyway, it turned into one of those. And now I don't take for granted, like when people ask me to do stuff, I don't do, I can't everything Mm. and sometimes I I really it hurts my feelings to even have to ask to be paid to do it you know like you don't have to pay me but you have to pay for my flight my hotels and and put some money in my pocket so I can eat you know Um, even that is like I'm embarrassed to do that so um, this was an event that gave me a chance to go and and be thankful Mm. and it, it turned out to be like every time I go to France all the people will come to me and, and bring a, a photo of being in France. And I did, like, that was one of those the races. The Europeans
1: are good at that.
3: Yeah. They, just... They've got a
1: image of when you were there and what year and what you did and how it happened and when they met you. They like... remember everything. But I think you raced in a really
0: special era before the digital age now for sure because people now it's it's just cheap. just a dime a dozen yeah. yeah when you were racing that that window the americans were gods to those motocross fans uh rj came over to uh, farley castle with us last year uh huh he should have seen these people grown men losing their minds yeah. over him and <laughs>
3: yeah. it was
0: because you know they he was their hero you guys all were their heroes at that time and they're waiting weeks to get a cycle news to like Catch a
3: glimpse yeah, of it, yeah.
0: you know what I mean. It was you, you weren't accessible. I grew accessible. up at
3: that time too, where I waited for cycle news. And when it came out, then you knew who was doing what. You'd get yeah. a pictures of guys on the East Coast, and 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 you're on the West, and all the stuff from the Golden States or Transcal or those things. That's what we lived for, yeah. and, and it was all magazine things. Yeah. And I had like even when Haynes was my mechanic, we kept a book. And I'd have pictures and and explanations of why this guy's riding with this style this way. And I would like, I just did stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I documented stuff that we did. And then knowing, I mean, I wasn't like, I was reading books to be a, a warrior when I was racing for Honda, like the Art of War or the Book of Five Rings and things that people were giving me and coaching me to follow. So I would... I would plan like, like with, with George, I tried to figure out how I could take his soul away from like, <laughs> from, I pass him like, if I pass him on this turn on the outside, he won't have a chance, but to, to know that I have no respect and I i am going to take whatever's his and it's mine. And yeah. I would sit on the start line and look at people and I'd, I, I could visually See myself just grabbing him by the shoulder and flicking his head off, you know like <laughs> you were <laughs> you you had those things or like we we had a race at San Antonio, so then I got a bunch of literature about the um you know the the Alamo yeah and the real stuff, and know what those guys did and how they survived, how they won, and the the cost of it, and then you know the things that happened. So I knew that, and then going in, I kept that in my mind, you know. So then, like, when they interviewed me, I'd be like, well, like, like Travis said, victory or death, you know, and they'd be like, well, and they didn't even know what it is. Yeah. They, were, they lived there, so there's there was a lot of times where it took trying to be a um, just psychologically prepared Yeah. And and all that, and and there are times when you could be strategic and plan races, or they now will plan. I mean, I, I like I watch a lot of the Supercross, and and you know where guys are strong. You know, this guy's, you know, Tomac, he's going to be strong and fit, and the worse the track gets, the better. Yeah, you're going to be like, well, I think I'll take Pick that guy. Yeah. And I, and and then on other tracks you you know other people stand a a better chance or you know and, and you know that Race Marvin, I, I don't know if you guys watched the last two laps. He was better the last he two laps. Oh, and he was he was hitting he was hitting lines that he was like maybe eighty percent on. So he was perfect. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff like you you watch that and you notice it and you're like, you know, you, I'm just g- glad I get to see it, you know. And those things will be forgotten next week. And that's kind of a bummer because like some of the things that happened at that Paris Supercross, I jumped a big jump that was was gnarly and then there was a whoop section that Bailey his dad built and they put used the telephone poles and and concrete. So you couldn't go through them fast. And I like by accident, like clip third and like whiskey throttle around the turn and I was like, and I was out of them. And I was, so then it was like, took me a couple laps and I did it again and then every lap I did it. So I, I won the race by just going through the whoops and.
0: At
4: burst By being at whiskey Burcy,
3: throttled. Yeah. So there he was won. no dirt
0: on them. It was concrete. It, no, it was,
3: it was they put concrete and they covered him in dirt. Yeah. But okay. It, they, would it, come like that. Yeah. they would bring in minimal
1: dirt back then. It was literally right. like like a frosting on a cake, it wasn't uh. built out of it. So they would use. I and mean, I remember in Holland they used uh wooden crates. I remember at one of the events, a guy came up, came yes. up with too much speed, yeah. and the front wheel went through the crate, and he just <laughs> <great>. like just <laughs> stopped. Yeah, the hard cross. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. I was gonna say,
3: the, no, the, no, I, I mean, I did, I did Nijmegen, and they had a couple of wood planks, and you went up yeah, and did a I few there, things. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, in Holland. uh one in. One of them I did that was in uh, Sweden. Had wood. There were logs, and they were attached to a frame. But they were logs, and you rode over them. They laid them sideways. Yeah. And it rained. Oh. And the bark got wet, and they were like <laughs> traction was like. amazing. <laughs> Guys were like going. Psh. That's awesome. But uh, anyway, those those races. The the one in Paris, um, I did that. I had one one heat race where. I got a buck on the last one because I had to be on the brakes while I was on the whoops, because that's where the turn was. So okay. you'd already be on the brakes, and I hit and I went over. and Mitch was sitting over there in his wheelchair, and him and Bevo, and and I I like went off the berm and like the bike landed on I landed on the pavement, and then turned around and all I could do was like gas it. And go up over the, the hay bale. But the hay bales are like as big as his table. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so all that happened. And the audience loved it. And I got <laughs> back on. And so I was like. Eh. And then to win the race and come from behind to do it. Um, that's always like a big thing for the French people. So every time I go there, they remember that. And, and talk about it. And, and they treat you like. You know, it was like the the greatest thing they yeah. saw at a race. Yeah. Yeah. And um and that stuff is hard to to imitate now because yeah. it's a it's a it's a machine, you know, and um Different type, a lot of things, sure. things get overlooked. Like how well Marvin wrote, I hope he holds on to that and like I I I I agree with what you said that he's gonna be a force now. Um but all those guys are so good and all of them deserve to win. You know, like, uh, you know, Sealy needs to win a race just to open his eyes again, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he's awesome. Like, everybody out there that you watch, man, Brayton could be, like, for one lap, anybody could be, yeah. uh, what's it, uh, Hill? Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Hill? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fastest qualifier. McElroy, I think, I think. I think maybe Hill should just go out and just. Loop it out on the start line and practice and rip the fender off and go to the pits and save it for the race and then just come out and come <laughs> out swinging. Come out
0: angry. <laughs> um, well, listen, we got to wrap it up here pretty soon. We're running out of time, but um, give me some, what, give you a top three best memories of your life looking back. Uh, when um, I say life, just, I guess I'm talking about racing stuff. I'm sure you'd put your your kid's birth
3: in
1: there. He's he's like, 86, 87, and 05. Yeah,
3: yeah, all those years were good. Um, You know, 86, there was quite a few moments in 86 that were really great because um, I had gotten to where I could, you know, I I had a great team, I had a great bike, and great people were helping me, and um, I was racing against good solid racers that were really spe- it was really special when you beat them um uh i loved a lot of those moments in that in that year i loved being number 43 um uh, i you know and, and winning a championship um and i loved a little bit of 87 in the same way but um and some of the times i had with ron um and with There's another guy, Dr. Bill, Dr. Fagan. Um, Many good times there. Um, I've got to travel the world, um, learn about life through the motorcycle, Mm -hmm. and and visit places that I never would have got to. Um, um, Got to do things, got to appreciate things that I never would have had a chance to without it. Um, um, shoot! I even like you know a lot of the races when I was learning how to be a, a, a you know before I made it to pros and racing and learning about you know being competitive and and um, fighting to 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 win a race, um, attempting and 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 trying hard to to jump a big jump and to handle your your fears and um at pike's peak um doing doing the races that i did up there and and being able to race and and do it with your faith not not with your just your skill but put your faith on the line and to do some of those things that are um that are a rare a rare thing in life you know nowadays i mean you don't want to do that now and you know Challenge your faith, you know. On ninety-one on the way home, uh, um, learning about you know my my belief in in the universe and in God, you know, all came from racing a motorcycle and from my parents and my upbringing. But um, I love this opportunity that I'm faced with right now to do this track and actually to be on the other side of of experiencing great moments, but providing a place or a thing to do them for people you know the next few generations of people i mean who knows maybe in you know in 10 years or something there'll be kids that learn how to ride a dirt bike because we built a park yeah. uh, or,
0: or they've got these memories and burned in yeah, their yeah. brain like yeah. you have for well, they got
1: event. their first win yeah. or a chance at the limelight
3: yeah and also like some of the 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 highs are great, you know. We've had a lot of highs in, in our lives, but some of the lows are even better because we learn from them. And um, I I hope that people on the show go and buy that book and and read it because it's it's not about me telling my story about how I did this or that. It's it's me being more or less like a an a, a an accomplice to this great adventure that takes place and with great people and 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 honestly it it doesn't say that I did this, you know, and I, I achieved this. It says, "Man, I barely survived this in a lot of times in a lot of ways so um, you know a lot more of the the tough times created, what are the good times and and the, the pizza places that we get to go to and 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 those things those are the things that really matter the most, and I don't think anybody needs to be a a motocross champion to appreciate those things that are yeah, good. Sure. Yeah, so mm. um, I guess that's my spiel.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> well, love it, man. It's perfect.
3: I apologize for rambling do you, so much.
0: Do you have a favorite Morrison quote or
3: lyric? Uh, you know, I I have like a like I just have a I have a belief that that like guy really nuked a bunch of things in his life, and I wish that he could have gone back and 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 not like be so raring to implode <laughs> but um uh, heck I don't, you know i i think I think that a lot of the things that I appreciate um could be tarnished if i if I looked deeper and I and I and I, I tried to, to find something that was not as special as I remember it the things that I remembered that are special can stay that way because I let them stay that way um, and I I don't cloud them with with other things you know and um, I know it's easy and I know a lot of people take take sort of advantage to, to critique things but um, man, you know, be, be thankful that you're, you know, you're, you're witnessing like other humans do special things and, um, try to find something good in it. You know, there's always something that you you can find, take from it what you want to take from it, I guess, is, I guess a good thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you coming on. We don't, we don't take your time for granted. I know you're out here doing business and, uh, Wish yeah. you the best luck in that. Um, B- buffalo chip, if there's anything ever we can do, maybe we, maybe we come host a show from there when you guys get it up and firing.
3: That's uh, right, and, and I, I, I would love that. We'll set up a studio for you. You guys could do a live feed right yeah. there. And, yeah, um, plan on it. Okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm all about it, dude. I, I'm lucky to yeah. consider you ah, a friend. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for coming yeah. on, Mick. Mickey, good to see You're you, welcome. buddy. Thanks, Appreciate Thanks for it. having me. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up with Mickey here. We'll take a quick break to pay some bills. We'll be right back.
6: 4WP is more than a store. We're truck and jeep experts. From wheel and tire upgrades to full custom builds, 4WP has you covered. Do your rig right. Shop online or find your store at 4WP.com.
0: Right, Welcome back to the Whiskey Throttle Show. What a good time with Mick, man. I, uh, I feel like we could have talked for a couple more hours with him. He's, uh, he's just always got uh, a lot of deep ponderances on things, <laughs> and uh, he likes to get into it. I, I just really dig that dude. Um, super genuine, nice guy. Um, But let's get into our Decal Works Last Call. Uh, Decalworks.com, if you guys are looking for graphics, plastics, mats, anything you need for the shop, the garage, your bike, getting it dialed in, looking good, go to decalworks.com, check those guys out. Uh, In this installment of uh, Last Call, uh, we got Ron Heben on the phone. Ron was, as you heard Mickey talk about a bunch, he's been in the industry forever. He was a longtime team green guy, uh, factory mechanic for multiple riders, including Mickey during his years with Yamaha. Um, he was factory KTM team manager for a while. When I was there, uh, actually at one point, was still when you were there too?
1: Yeah, 01? we were both there together.
0: I didn't know 02. if he came on in 02. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> Sly, his nickname is Slicer. Dude's been around forever. Awesome guy. GL got him on the horn. Let's have a listen.
5: Hey, Ron. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the show for a few. Uh, um, we just had uh, Mickey Diamond on and... Uh, quite a character and uh well we know that you've worked with quite a few characters in your lifetime um tell us a little bit about your experience with work working with mickey
6: well you kind of hit it right off the bat when you set a character because uh, <laughs> mickey diamond certainly was a unique guy but um it's one of those ones where you uh Really enjoyed your time, the, the opportunity I had to work with Mickey when he first came to Yamaha. Uh, we we went out to our test track, which used to be out of Deanza and yeah. uh, we were the team itself was really excited because uh, he certainly is a talented talented rider. I mean, he could do things on the Yamaha YZ that we thought it had the potential to do it, and all of a sudden Mickey came out there and just did it effortlessly. I mean, it was just it was it was yeah. a fun time for sure you know and um and then we got rolling into you know rolling into the season and things like that and um you know he kind of had his own procedures of what he'd like to do and um we started out i i think we started out pretty well actually
5: yeah yeah i mean it it, it seemed that way and and obviously he talks uh, very highly of you and 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 one thing we, you know, we were realizing is the rider-mechanic relationship from those days is a little bit different to now. You know, you guys uh, were, it's more like a marriage back then, right?
6: Well, back in those days when we everyone was in a box van, uh, I think the relationship was a lot closer. And with that, I mean, there were yeah. times when Nikki would stay on the road and we would, uh, you know, we'd go riding and, and train together. And it was uh, certainly an experience um and you know mickey was one of the most popular guys out there so you know around the box fans at the end of the night i mean there was such an entourage of people and you know he knew a lot of people in the music industry uh motley crew guys uh, tommy lee and those guys used to come to the races and uh at the end of the day you know you couldn't even get into your box stand to put things away because there was just so many people there either wanting to get an <laughs> autograph from mickey or you know, see Heather Locklear, who was going with Tommy Lee, and just uh, it, every week was something unique. Um, it, it's it's one of those times I certainly appreciate and enjoyed the time I worked with Mickey. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to win a championship, um, and that's just part of racing. But it, it, it's it, in a box van, you certainly you certainly were you know connected a lot closer than in a way that with the semi and the transporters and some of the people involved, it's a little bit different now.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that. Um, tell us a little bit. Uh, we, we had both Ping and I had a little chuckle when he was telling us, he goes, Ron would cut my numbers by hand before the races every time. Uh, didn't just get numbers. You always cut them.
6: Yeah. You know, we, I actually started doing that with Keith Ballin, who I worked with a couple of years before Mickey and, uh, you know, fortunately, Mickey and 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 Keith Bowen they were single digits, and at that point there wasn't uh, the big oversized numbers as we have today. Yeah. And my my philosophy is that hey, you got a single digit, we want to be. I want to see where you're at on the racetrack or in the first turn. and so you know, making cutting out a a number six, you know, was uh, was kind of special, and it's it's certainly made the bike look a little bit different. And at that time at Yamaha, we had the freedom is that we could personalize each of our bikes a little bit different. And uh, that number six kind of stood out, and I you know, still have one of those number plates hanging on the, in the garage. It's, kinda, it's, it's nice to see one in a while. Oh, that's very cool. Um, well, I know with some
5: time, uh, you, you're still in the industry, but things have changed a little bit. You're now with Yamaha in the road race department. Tell us a little bit more about that.
6: Yeah, actually, I've kind of gone full circle. I started at Yamaha, I worked there for 10 <laughs> years, and then I went out and about and did some other things, had an opportunity to work with you and to work with Ping and a host of other riders that uh, yeah. certainly are memorable, but, uh, you know, it, it, at Yamaha, you know, I, I was lucky enough when, when Honda stopped their road racing program that I was able to get back into Yamaha, and I, I've been there almost another... Uh, it's, Probably been close to ten years that I've been involved, and in. i am primarily involved with the road racing side, as far as with the marketing and with the media and working with our sponsors. And uh, it's a lot different role than being a mechanic with one rider, and certainly or being a team manager with a multiple yeah. or you know group of riders. But um, you know, I'm fortunate to be back at Yamaha. It's a great place to be. You won a championship there at Yamaha, and
5: yeah, you know memory.
6: They're uh, they're dedicated to racing. I mean, fortunately them and um you know there's effort in in moto america and AMA Superbike racing they've dominated for a number of years and that comes from a, a well-structured program and you know keith mccarty is the is the head of that program and his vision and obviously the success that he had with bob Hanna has kind of trickled down to everything else that he puts his hand on is it's successful and um you know road racing is certainly a lot different than, um, you know, cer- certainly a lot different than motocross, but, sure. you know, another opportunity I had to work with Mickey is when I was working at KTM, and uh, we got involved with Supermoto, and, yeah. and again, Mickey just, it was just, he's such a natural at anything he does, and yeah. uh, he won a championship, you know, racing Supermoto, and, you know, it, it was, Supermoto is such a a fun type of racing because you had racers from all disciplines that could race, you know, on the pavement, in the dirt, uh, Ben Bostrom, yeah. Mick Diamond, Jeff Ward, you know, just you look at all the racers that participated in that when it was going on, It was, it was yeah. fun. And, uh, and the attrition rate compared to what you see in supercross was much less. And yeah. so you had those guys, they were racing week in and week out. Um, Moto America is uh, is a sanctioning body now for for about the last five years, and they're doing a great job. They're they're trying to get back to where they were. Um, yep. And Yamaha's dominated. I think that we've I think we've won like eight Superbike championships and uh, a host of six hundred championships. And you know, like I say, it's it's yeah. fun to be part of a winning. It's really fun to be part of a winning program, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, with with uh, Cam and Josh,
5: and even the 600, you guys have had great success. And one of my heroes growing up was uh, Wayne Rainey, who now runs Moto America, and like you said, doing great things. Well, Ron, really appreciate the time, and I look forward to seeing you again
6: at our annual little get
5: together when we uh, catch up at gp in Austin.
6: Yeah, if you've ever gone a chance, if anyone's ever had a chance to go to COTA. You know, you got the MotoGP guys there and you got the the superbike riders there and it's a great Anaheim. show. It's a it's a fantastic facility yeah. and you know, Laguna Seca and, and Austin, Dakota, you know, it, it brings celebrities, it brings uh the industry together. No doubt the same thing as like Anaheim One. <laughs> you go to Anaheim exactly. One, it's great to see it's a reunion in a sense, right? Exactly, so, exactly. Well that's why I make the effort every year, so I look forward yeah, to it, and good luck with you and the race team this season. Yeah, and I, I want to hear that interview with Mickey because uh, he was—he used to bring uh, a different perspective to racing and what he did not only on the track but off the track and um, all-around good guy. And he's accomplished so many things after his racing career, which is cool. What he does with yeah. bicycling, things like that, you know, but. That cool story. Had a lot of good things to
5: say about you too, Ron. And uh, with working with you, I can vouch for that. So, cool story, and glad you know you guys are still tight uh, so many years after racing. Even.
6: Yeah, I I just, you know, it is a relationship, and I think that's what's nice about the motorcycle industry is it is one big family, and it, it's whether you're racing supercross or or road racing or supermoto or dirt track or whatever. There's a camaraderie of Everyone is involved with that because, in one sense, it's a small it's a small family, you know. And yeah. and uh, I guess it's it's awesome that uh, you're able to stay in touch with Mickey. And you know, he's still such a recognized icon for all the things that he's accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we know you have a lot of
5: really good stories too. And and one of these days in the near future, we'd love to have you on because. When we looked at it, you worked with a lot of guys. so We know you've got a lot of stories, but we've
6: got to run. Thanks for your time, Ron. We'll keep in touch and uh, catch up soon. All right, Grant. Pleasure talking to you. I look forward to seeing you Coda. Ten four. 10 Cheers, bud. righty. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. All
0: right. Well, good to hear from Ron and uh, always a good dude. He would actually be a really interesting interview on the show, so maybe we'll have him as a guest down the road. Lots of good stories uh, from the trenches <laughs> Back in the good old days and all the way, you know, to to today. So uh, we'll have to talk about getting them on the show. Four Wheel Parts, Get At Me Q&A, that's where we're uh, headed into here. If you've got a question for GL or myself, go to our Twitter account and post a question to us. you want to share that? At W underscore throttle underscore show. He's got it down. Boom. You know what? Drop the mic. Yeah, it took him three months to memorize that. But if you can, oh, you know, somehow find it, click on it, send us a, a question. Uh, Four wheel parts, all your off road needs, whatever the hell that is, they've got it. They will handle it. Not only do they sell you any kind of products you want, the very best products in off road for your truck, van, SUV, side by side, Jeep, you name it, they've got it. They'll do the work. Top, top quality. Those guys are awesome. Four wheel the number four wheel What do we got for questions today, Donnie? I got a I got uh, good one for
2: GL here. g um, GNL. G-NL? G-NL okay. Yeah. Hmm. For GL from Dave. At Dave eight nine five zero seven four seven six nine doesn't one doesn't really matter. <laughs> I Dave know, said I, I like his name. <laughs> uh, he wants to know what was more difficult to justify taking out alessia at Hangtown or Bobby Bonds at Hangtown for the win. Sorry, what was more difficult
1: to explain to justify?
2: How do you justify taking out either one of those? What was more difficult to justify? He's saying,
1: oh, I mean that's easy. What's more difficult to justify was obviously Bobby Bonds because photographer had a great picture of me on the binders doing a look back so you can't say it was not intentional because it really was. Um, but you know the difference is I think in motocross is in you know in life we're taught two wrongs to make a right but I, I think you would agree in motocross if someone hits you or is messing with you or pissing you off whatever it is you said you got to send a message and to me, that's how I was taught to, to, to ride. My dad always said, if someone hits you, you hit them twice as hard, twice as often, and put them in their place. Bobby Bonds pissed me off that day, um, and in the heat of the moment, I didn't go to take him out. I just was sending a message. So I sent my message. He went down. He didn't react. He was tired, dehydrated, worn out. If he was actually in shape, he wouldn't have gone down. He would have reacted. So he can blame himself a little bit. Um, the Alessi incident... I will say that that was not a takeout intentionally. That was literally someone going for the win, and it was last corner, and I gave it everything I had, and um, when I went in the turn, my foot actually caught the inside rut, and it started pulling me off the back of the bike, and I whiskey throttled. (laughs) And um, yeah, so my bike took him out. It was not... uh, It really wasn't a takeout. It was just a a (laughs) racing incident. So I would say um, the harder one to justify would be Bobby Bonds, because... There was some intent.
0: Would you, uh, if you could do that over with Alessi, would you have backed off and let him have the win? Oh, to, for sure. To save your ankle?
1: Well, because looking back now, um, in my honest opinion, um, I truly believe I was the fastest guy. And uh, that was a championship that I should have won was the uh, outdoor 05 season. That dislocated ankle that got re-aggravated a few times, it derailed my season. I, I won the first race, um, you know, rode, I think, three rounds injured, uh, struggled, and then by the time I started getting my groove back, the season was kind of over. I won another three or four races that season, but it crippled me. So, yeah, in hindsight, for sure, I could have just... If I'd finished right behind him, I could have just cruised the rest of that moto, won the overall, been the points leader going around two. Um... But I don't write, I've never yeah. been raised that way. <laughs> no, so, you, you
0: could have been a hero if, if you just wouldn't have caught your foot.
1: I uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. It would have been one of those great come-from-behind stories yeah. of all time. But at the heat of the moment, um, that's just how I write. Yeah. There's a lot of people still pissed, not a lot of people, but Bobby Bonds fans, still really pissed about that. I get emails. He has that many fans?
0: Well, he's got a few. <laughs> they all, live in, probably they all live in Sacramento.
2: I'm just, and and just digging a deeper hole
1: right now, huh? Uh, yeah. She's got his, multiple accounts and she's just hitting <laughs> yeah. them. All right, what else we got?
2: Well, a lot of people, you know, they make requests for guests, so they want to know
0: how we pick our guests for the show. <sighs> well, honestly, it's... Uh, if you have somebody that you're like, get this guy on, get him on, he's on our list, probably. Yeah. W- you know...
5: Why didn't you have Bradshaw?
0: <laughs> Why don't you get Jeff Ward?
1: What about David yeah. Bailey?
0: Yeah, they're what all, about Ryan Villapoto? They're all on our list. Calm down. Uh, a lot of it has to do with their availability. We're trying to kind of... Touch on an, a guy from the 80s and then a current guy, and then maybe an older guy like DeCoster. Then, a, you know, we're trying to kind of catch all genres, a little bit of freestyle. We're going to get into some other action sports, motorsports, music. Um, but, you know, moto is like our obviously our home base. So calm down. We're going to get all of them on there. We've got some off road legends coming in soon. Um, but a lot of it is timing guys that either don't live here or they've got stuff going on. We have to work around
1: their schedule. Well, that's the thing, too. We've got guys, you know, even like, you know, with Mickey, he doesn't live in SoCal at the moment, so it's also timing, but yeah. another thing is, we've had, what, 10 shows so far? There's 100 guys on our list, and at some point, we've got to go through the order. It's not it's not an order of importance. It's no, no. just spreading the love, yeah. and we want to have some huge names in a year from now, you know? Yeah, it's exciting, too. Uh, you get all your A-listers right now,
0: the show will be over in a year, so take it easy. And And also... Just because
1: uh,
0: uh, Bones isn't a household name like Eli Tomac is, his show is interesting. You know, if you haven't watched that, go back because he's been in this sport way longer than Eli Tomac, and he's got some incredible stories. So, if you're a student of the sport, you enjoy the sport, you, it's worth listening to some of those industry guys.
2: Um, KTM swept the podium this weekend. They uh, on the 450 class. They did it several times this year. What do you guys think of? Or how are they
4: doing that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that they ha- they just have, they have great bikes, but I don't think that their bikes are head and shoulders above like Honda in the mid-80s. Uh, I think that they have a really good program, both at the factory level and even what BTO Sports or whatever Rocky Mountain ATV, I guess it's called now. They just have
1: really good programs, uh, and they've, they've selected good riders. I think they're doing everything right. When you look at what made Honda famous, Honda, um, you know, Mr. Honda and, you know, all of them involved, including his son and and tight of people, their goal wasn't to make a bunch of money selling bikes. Their goal was to win. Mm. They wanted to be the best. And after him passing and a few of those things, you saw their angle shift. KTM sell a lot of bikes and make a lot of money, but they invest a shitload back into racing. Mm. And I think that's uh, pretty cool to see, and they're very passionate. I think they've always felt the need to, to prove themselves um, because, you know, and we've even joked, you know, in, in, in the 90s, even the early 2000s, they didn't have that great press. They weren't like, oh, got to get me a KTM, you know, but they've worked their way to that point. And another thing that I love that they do is have satellite teams that get full factory support. Oh. I think that is something that the Japanese have always been a little wishy-washy on or I'll give you some of it. No, come on, man. If you got yeah. good stuff, if you hired the best two guys... Give him the best equipment. And you know what? If he beats him, it makes you look good too because I tell you what, when Blake Baggett wins, people don't go, well, factory KTM's the best team out there. They go, wow, the KTM must be a really good bike. So yeah, yeah. I, I like what they do with their feeder systems. Um, I've said it before. I wish like Kawasaki, um, Suzuki, you know, some of the other Japanese brands would have a factory-supported team in the 450 class. It's hard to have... Two top guys in the 450, and always be able to feed your 250 champion, which is supposed to be what happens. It doesn't always work that way, but if you have a home and a breeding ground, it makes that step a little bit smaller. And I think uh, KTM have hit that, and I think some of the others haven't. Sure, healthier for the sport
2: too, right? Because you're going to have more sure. rides available for guys coming and up. And guess the what? When
1: days. someone if if I always say if when someone gets injured, you got to feed a system. Then someone else, you know, and it's a bump system Tier, where tiered. Yeah. yeah. Multi-layered
2: pyramid. It's like a wedding cake. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: we got to go to... What M- else we got? Yeah, move on to the wedding cake. We've
0: got C- we <laughs> to got, we wrap this up. Mickey, Mickey talked to us for a long time here. We got, uh, we, we've gone long. Uh, quick thank you to our sponsors again. PowerDot, Method Race Wheels, Troy Lee Designs, Decal Works, Dunlop, Four Wheel Parts, Pro Circuit, Adidas. Support our sponsors. Not only are they the best in the business of what they do... They're keeping this show coming to you. So thank you, GL Donnie. Thank you, guys. Um, Next show coming up next week. We will see you then. Peace out.